Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What Are You Doing? We would go ahead and pop in your DVD or Blu-ray of Gravity. Press play and press pause when the Warner Brothers logo fades to black. At the first frame you perceive of all black, press pause. In a second, I'll say three, two, one, unpause, at which point I'll press play, and you'll press play, and we'll watch the movie together in perfect sync. It'll be like any other commentary, except of course with four friends in your head, one of whom is an ISS mission controller dude from NASA with very fancy jeans and, and a good haircut. And it's it's truly an impressive <laughs> all, sight. All government supplied. <laughs> they are nice jeans, actually. Th- thank you. $50,000. They're ti- yeah. titanium alloy. $50,000. Same material space shuttle. Users. Myself, as always, Teague Christie, my friend Brian William Fenifter. Greetings. Michael Dorkman Scott. <laughs> and introducing... It's my Sandra Bullock impression. Anthony Varia, <laughs> who works in NASA as a ISS flight controller guy for... Uh, I used to know the name of it, too. Spartan? Yeah, that's a, that's exactly Woo! it. Spartan, which I it stands for a thing, and I don't know honestly what that is. <laughs> that's how I am with Shield. The P is power, <laughs> I think. Uh, but yeah, no, I uh, work at a Johnson Space Center uh, for your International Space Station, your local International Space Station. <laughs> I uh, saw that crossing over the other day, a few like a week ago. It was brightest thing in the sky next to the moon. It the was, stupid moon. It was bright as hell. I'm used yeah. to. It's brighter than Venus. It is point. brighter than Venus. Yeah. Uh, the only thing, moon and uh, moon and the, the sun. Well, yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay, that's no, cheating. Well, that's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it brings it. it that brings has its massive size and proximity. Absolutely. No, it, yeah, it's, it's a handicap. Really cool to see when it comes over. So Gravity came out when the uh, trailers started popping up. At the time the trailers started popping up, it was looking like it was going to be like this little indie release sort of thing where I, I remember like sending Brian a link to this like, Warner Brothers just posted this trailer. <laughs> I haven't seen it linked anywhere, but watch this shit. And it's <laughs> the right off the bat. It looks like the best thing that could possibly happen in my life. Uh, where I mean, Brian's thing was always that he wanted movies, sci-fi movies, to be at a standard of where it's like just Apollo 13, but fictional. But just that, please. Just give me something yeah. mm-hmm. with that level of clarity and realism and stakes and inherent tension because you're in a goddamn vacuum, you guys. And this looked for all the world like it was going to be that. And indeed, aside from some quibbles that people have, and I think rightly so, this is just a hell of a movie. And for all the praise or self praise Avatar gave itself, <laughs> being, <laughs> yeah. like the the new Star Wars and this new cinematic experience that changes the way you see movies forever, I don't think Avatar really gets the cred for that one. And I think Gravity, which never made those proclamations about itself, totally does. Uh, I think, especially I saw this twice in the theaters. I saw it once 2D in a normal sized theater like a chump, and then I saw it again in 3D at the IMAX screen at CityWalk. And what was weird was. I bought the tickets like two days in advance after it had been out for like three weeks and I couldn't get a good seat at all. I was in the bottom (laughs) right corner of an IMAX theater, which means there's like a 130 foot tall screen four feet in front of me. And I'm just like at the bottom right corner, like a little footnote, like an asterisk down there. (laughs) And what was so weird was with the unbelievably uncomfortable seating arrangement and the 3D and the giant screen. And I was like tilting my head up. Something about the way the stereoscopics worked just made me feel really like I was in it. Like more than when you're watching a 3D movie in that little frame and it's like, oh, I can see it down there. It's 3D looking. When I was wrapped in this movie, it was a really jarring, unnerving experience, which, you know, I I feel like like the way Jim Cameron said that you have to see Avatar in 3D. I think Alfonso Cuaron said something about you have to see gravity in IMAX 3D from two inches away. I I feel like that's the (laughs) best way to watch it. Uh, But it blew me away. It was one of my favorite movies of last year. Walked away with the VFX Oscar, and rightly so. And it's damn good. Now, my problems with it are there's generally an on-the-nose dialogue thing going on here, but I tend to give that to Cuaron because everything else about what he does is so fantastic. And also, there's the whole thing where from like Jump Street, when I walked out the first time I saw it, in fact, while I was watching it, I had a really 
odd time trying to accept the physics of the like the cliffhanger, you know, vertical limit scene where George is under tension. Yeah. And uh, like the first thing I thought at the time was, well, if the thing's rotating, which it is, that would make sense. It is. It's not. Yes, it is. No, it's totally it, not. Yes, it is. We'll watch and see. Yes, we will. I double we'll checked get a, it. We will get a professional opinion, but I, I thought the same thing. That was the only bit that pulled me out of the movie as I was watching the first time. Uh, but then I was like, Man, maybe it's rotating and maybe that's okay. And then I went back and rewatched it and it's not really maybe you could say the stars are kind of moving a little but it's not like you'd expect it to be rotating much faster than that and it comes up we'll we'll look we'll talk about it but i loved gravity for the Mm -hmm. most part and it's one of those movies that dorkman bought it on 3d blu-ray even though he doesn't have a 3d player because it's an aspirational probably never will it's an aspirational (laughs) purchase where it's just like a it's sort of like prometheus except you can listen to this one too in addition to watching it Hmm. um you put it on the tv like it's just a glorious picture that just sits there and loops all the time and it's beautiful and i'm super psyched to have anthony yeah you could if like there are people who like have parties where they just kind of put you you can get videos like imax you know just something pretty on the tv or something you could totally do this you could totally almost put this on and just have it playing in the background and then freak out your guests when things start to go wrong. <laughs> wrong. Chad Peter used to make custom DVDs for parties where he'd just pick the best scenes. And sometimes they were like really horrifying or disgusting or saw yeah. or something. And just string out like two hours worth of four minute scenes and just play them totally out of context. And Chad's taste in movies led to it being mostly scenes you'd never seen before. That completely devastated the tone of the party because people would just <laughs> stand around the TV watching it like it was on fire or something. Because the whole point was like not get drawn into a full movie like you do sometimes. Yeah, you don't want to yeah. get drawn yeah. into it. You don't want to script the party and then you just play scenes from Bug. But then you get drawn <laughs> into these horrible scenes. I've yeah. been to bars that uh, actually a particular bar in Pennsylvania that only showed like and, and I've been there on a couple occasions and maybe I just was there on the wrong nights. But all it did was show like disparate scenes from Koyanis Katsi and just <laughs> and, and boy does that does That'll that you bring the down the house. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Can I get a to cranberry and yeah. I, I, I don't oh. want to just bring it over to me i don't want to break my attention here right, exactly is, brian i'm really drawn into this african tribe yeah i have to uh. assume your story of excitement with gravity started before the movie came out as well oh yeah absolutely i mean I, as as you said did you see it and start fanning yourself like an antebellum south like nice lady like Ooh, i knew it, I, I knew it was a thing. he had the vapors <laughs> he had the vapors I, I knew quaron was making a movie a science fiction movie in space and that was that you know that was it for me i was it's completely sold as it was uh and then uh, our friend Travis actually posted, you know, the first trailer to you know my Facebook page, and it was uh, uh, that was I didn't even know it was like contemporary that it was space shuttle and space station uh, until that trailer, um, and then I was like, all right, that's it. I'm I'm going on media lockdown on this. I don't want another frame of this. I don't want to look at it because I know I'm going to watch the hell out of it when You're it like comes. You're like twenty three nineteen. Yeah. Uh, so I basically did that as best I could. I watched that first trailer and that was it. And then when it, you know, when it finally opened, uh, wise choice. Uh, yeah. Uh, cause they released, you know, like they released like the first, they started like, showing clips, 10 minutes or something of the Well, movie, they, they released the next, the very next trailer they released was the, the like two, two minute, unbroken minutes. Yeah. It was the two, it, it was the two minute clip of the, the destruction of Explorer. Yeah. Yeah, and then she Did gets knocked be- out, and it's when she, it follows her. I think the trailer ends with her going out. Into it space. ends with her being flung off into space, which is a great place to leave a trailer, certainly. And then the right. next, the next trailer was the next, the subsequent two minutes of yeah. her. Say, yeah, I so, avoided yeah. all of that. Avoided all of it uh, on purpose. Uh, and then yeah, I loved it. And you know everything you said. Uh, it's easily one of my most favorite films of all time, and it was the very instance. But it, it was, was cheating. <laughs> it's like the sun is cheating. It's like it's really bright in the sky. Well, yeah. it is huge and really bright and really close. Uh, Gravity is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, no I shit. Mean, I mean, it's a no. Yeah, it's a no brainer. Uh, and that being said, there are little quibbles. Like the first five minutes, uh, 
I, I will tell you the first time watching the first five minutes for the first time, I was like, uh, <laughs> uh Oh, could this, could this, you know, be the phantom menace of my adults uh, <laughs> life? Uh, but obviously it didn't turn out. What were you worried hour. about? Just like, I mean, the, I, I think the, the first really five, dialogue, the first five minutes is just really ham fisted all around the dialogue, she's a surgeon the, and the situation. Yeah. Uh, right. and I'm sure we can go into all those technical details oh, uh, we if will. we want to. Uh, but yeah, but you know, once the actual movie starts, it's amazing. Um, and did you really expect me to say anything else? This is one of the only movies I can think of where saying it's an amazing ride is not a backhanded sort of dismissive hmm. compliment where it's like, it's an amazing ride. Yeah. No, yeah. this is this is one of the only movies I can think of where saying that I I it's mean a compliment it, and you mean it. it I mean it like literally. I mean I seriously feel like this is a ride film. Like right. I need to yeah. hold on because my my chair is going to move around. It's and funny. It's not, but one of the trailers for this, uh, it may have been the the first one, came out during a week when we found ourselves in a position where we were doing an emergency spacewalk. Um, so that, that was a little weird because <laughs> it's like, oh, we got to send the crew out the door. Hey, what's this? Oh, uh, oh, oh, I wonder if NASA was getting tweets like Hill okay. corporate. This is totally just something you're doing for gravity. Yeah, to, exactly. Like this wackos on Twitter. <laughs> oh, Here's what nice, we're going to do. Nice guys. Yeah. Chris Adfield trying to get more Twitter followers. <laughs> Here's that, what we're going to do. We're not going to tell the guys <laughs> that this movie came out. <laughs> well, it's funny, you know, so the crew on board station, they have, they, they watch movies. They have actually a DVD library, but that's given way to, we uplink stuff to them. And a couple years ago, they called down, they were watching movies on Saturday night, you know, multinational crew. Uh, we give them their weekends off. They have time to do what they want. Saturday night, they, what do they choose to watch? 2001, where the computer kills all the astronauts. <laughs> Well, that that's a great thing to turn out the lights to when you live in space. Yeah, just you know, uh, can you pull the blinds down? The the Earth is too bright out there. It's just screwing. it's got to get a movie room. Getting yeah. a little reflection. Darkman, gravity, gravitas. Um, yeah, I knew that. My experience with it was, uh, of course, I'm uh, you know nuts about all things Quaron, or at least most things Quaron. Um, Quaron is the reason. Quaron is the why. <laughs> exactly. Um, so Corona is good. Corona is wise. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm. He's he's my absolute favorite filmmaker. Uh, he he was before this, but now for serious. Uh, and uh, so I knew that he was working on like like Brian said. I knew he was working on uh some kind of sci-fi movie. I was a little concerned about it because I heard that he was, you know, his thing is long takes, and I heard that he was working on like a big 17 minute take and i was thinking uh is he just he's just doing it, uh, his thing now he's just doing it to like find out if he can or whatever yeah and uh and and it's not really going to be appropriate or whatever uh so i was i was a little concerned that he was just taking that to, which to an extent he is he he was doing it he you know he is experimenting with that every time he does it but um it what it is fortunately totally appropriate in this film um to, to do things that way so I was glad to see that and and ultimately I was just like oh please I tell everybody all the time how much I love Alfonso Cuaron don't fucking <laughs> don't, don't make me take it back don't make me be like it's it's okay he, he'll do another one it'll be fine you know uh, so I was I was a little nervous about it uh, in that sense and then the first trailer came out and I was like okay it, it looks pretty cool I never really get excited about his movies as trailers um, I wasn't him and Pixar yeah, I, 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 like the trailer for Children of Men when that came out. I was like, every, a lot of people got excited about him. Like, I don't see what you're also excited about, but I like him as a director, so I'll go for it. Uh, I was kind of the same way about Gravity. I saw, I did see the uh, the two minute 
the destruction of Explorer. I the first time I saw that scene was was on YouTube, and I was pissed off at myself for like two weeks <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that I that I saw that, and so I I was like, okay, I'm not gonna watch anything else. Um, but that did give me the the knowledge of kind of what we were dealing with here to go to to look at it and when he in interviews because as as teague points out you know everybody goes oh you really need to see my movie in 3d but when he says it i'm like i believe him (laughs) you have credibility i I actually believe him um and so i was like okay if if i'm gonna do it i'm if if any movie is gonna work in 3d it's gonna be gravity and it absolutely does it's it's the only movie i've ever seen where i told people you really do have to see this in 3d if you really want to appreciate it Um, i'm not kidding and i will stop being your friend yeah which um which we can uh get into as we go but um and by the way teague the reason that that it's a more intense experience when you sit closer is because the disparity between the two uh, uh, between the two images and between the your, your perspective is larger the closer you sit to it. So there's more oh, of right. a feeling of depth. And your eyes are... Do your eyes cross or go wall-eyed when you're watching 3D? You're crossing I, them, right? Ideally, neither. Ideally, well, you're, yeah, you're, you're just You're seeing, watching the screen layer. Dorkman yeah. worked in stereoscopic for a while. Uh, well, let's talk about this yeah, when well, the movie's yeah, well, actually playing because we've already gone for like half an hour. Exactly. Um, well, it's fun. But, um, yeah. I'll I'll just let the movie play. I love it. There are some quibbles with it, um, which we can get into, but none of the quib- quibbles are with the the craft of it at all. Right, the filmmaking part. Yeah. Uh, already before <laughs> even like before we've gotten started, there's already a couple of things from what Anthony was saying earlier. One is watching as Mushroomer says, watching 2001 on the ISS sounds a lot like watching the thing in Antarctica. <laughs> 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 and also. Uh, Faldor asked, "How big is the TV screen on the ISS?" The well, they have they have laptops. They oh, don't have nice. TV, but uh, yeah, they just have standard laptops. They we stream video to them both for work purposes and then on the weekends. They we uplink live TV to them as long as the right satellites are in range. So they basically before, Breaking Bad probably. Uh, <laughs> but whenever you know they, <laughs> what did they think of the How I Met Your Mother finale? Um, they wouldn't talk to us for three days. <laughs> and wow. It was extremely disturbing. Yeah. Hi, Anthony. Hi. Nice to meet you. It is good to be here. I was telling you before we started recording, it's like, I know you from Brian short film Thanksgiving with the Grances. <laughs> yeah, that's my seminal work. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, but no, yeah, I, uh, I am very happy to be here. I'm glad you guys invited me along. I really love it. What was your uh, what was your read on Gravity? Were you psyched so, about it in the sort of lead up? So I, I had I was excited for two reasons. Number one, you know, I was a big fan of the completion of the, the Miss Congeniality trilogy. And, <laughs> and I was really wanted to see how that play out. And I think it was the probably the as you will see today, most. The, the most realistic of the three. Um, and, I love you. Come back every week. <laughs> uh, and second, you know, I'm all excited about anything that reminds folks, hey, there's people who live in space. Hey, we have a space station, especially, you know, as I'm watching in the trailers, the destruction of the International Space Station, I'm... It is a self-serving thought of, oh, well, hey, people are going to see we have a space station. That's that's pretty cool. Um, and so then, so that was my starting thought. They always destroy the Empire State Building and exactly. then, then people go. Yeah. And so then, um, you know, after that, I went through a phase as I was hearing more and more about the movie and more and more about, as we'll discuss, the technical quibbles with the movie. Um, you know, I, that was coloring my opinion of it. And also the fact of we had, you know, Last summer, we had an incident on a spacewalk where, you know, we, we almost drowned a guy named Luca Parmentano. Uh, and, uh, you know, I didn't, <laughs> it, I thought that especially going to see it maybe in, in 3D or something like that would maybe not be like a super fun experience because, you know, while telling a good story, it is also maybe necessarily telling like the story of the worst possible day 
of my job. Yeah. And so, you know, it's something we worry about. There is, and we'll, we'll get into this, you know, space debris is out there. Uh, you know, the, I'm, I'm in town. The reason I'm here is I'm in town for a conference for space operations. And space debris is one of the big, the big things folks are talking about. How do we clean up this, this graveyard so that we don't have this chain reaction? They call it. Yeah, the, well, it's got a name. This, the this Kessler, scenario. Kessler the Kessler syndrome. Yeah. Kessler syndrome. Um, which is a weird name for it, but that, that's fine. Where you can basically ruin an orbit. And we yeah. have to fire thrusters to get out of the way of stuff fairly regularly. Maybe yeah. once every couple of months. Oh, wow. So it's a, it's a thing. Is it? Do you feel like it's getting... Uh, it's to, it's becoming a larger and larger topic. It's getting more you know airtime, so to speak. Yes. Uh, I think... Honestly, I think gravity... Uh, the I think it, there were... There was a congressional hearing this week about the subject of space junk and who's going to clean that up and how to clean that up. And, and do you think, I, and do you think it, gravity... It was helped. most certainly stimulated by that. Cool. Thanks, Alfonso. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. yeah space recycling, for, man. Thanks for, thanks for clearing up space for the rest of us. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, again, you know, as a, as a NASA guy, I think it's I, anything that gets people thinking about space and even a, a, a functionally but not physically semi-realistic interpretation of what is actually up there that's pretty cool and that that's exciting and to hear about how interested people were in in a story about the perils and and triumphs of space travel that's pretty cool so uh and it also helped that when it did come out in theaters uh i was on furlough so (laughs) one of the one of the local theaters actually said oh if you're a nasa employee and you don't have anything else to do you can come see it in 3d for free that's awesome just show up with your badge and that's uh that was that was nice. Oh, and that's how he met your mother. Anyway, exactly. you're at the point where the Warner Brothers logo has faded to black, like I am here. Put your finger yeah, on the button. Ready to start. Three, <laughs> two, one. Unpause, and we're in. Okay, so actually, my biggest my biggest beef with the movie, in a way, is these cards. The font um, is kind of weird. I agree. It's not one. <laughs> my uh, and actually, it's it's just the last one because it misses an opportunity to to kind of state the theme right up front. Um, because what it says, what it says is life in space is impossible. What I think it should say is life in a, in vacuum or life in the vacuum is impossible because that's really a large part of what this movie is about is the fact that, um, on a, on a, on a story level, on a human level, uh, the, the story is about connecting with other people and how important that is to, to being able to, to live your life and to, to really having value in your life is, is the, the connection with other people around you and, and the no the, man being an the, island. Yeah. And the, and yeah. the crisis of being cut off yeah. um, from, from that in this, it's literally being cut off, but it's a representation as, as we've, you know, discussed around this. And as we'll discuss here for being emotionally cut off because you're depressed or in mourning or, or um, you know, the, the various uh, problems that she's going through and the problems that you go through in a crisis where you feel alone and then you have to, find a way to reach out to other people. I just want to do a parody of the title sequence where it says life in space is really hard and then it slam cuts to tardigrades. <laughs> One of the things I was listening to a DP30 interview with Alfonso and I say Alfonso because I'm not comfortable doing the Quaron thing. Quaron. Quaron. See, I screwed <laughs> it up. Uh, he said that when he sat down to do this, initially he had seen a script, I think that his son had written the other Quaron. He, he thought this was going to be a little thing. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's, he had, that's great. He had seen a thing that his son had written that was in some way along the same lines and it inspired him. He's like, I want to do something like that too. We should write a thing together. And they sat down and decided, what do we want to do? And kind of came up with the disaster in space thing. And then he sat down and tried to figure out what the theme was. He started with a the theme first. And I was like, 
Booyah. And of course, it's totally obvious that this is a theme about redemption and all that stuff. And then Alfonso proceeded to say, it's a movie about obstacles. And I was like, <laughs> what? Uh, 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 all, all movies are obstacles. Okay. Anyway, does, does anyone overcome them? That'd be crazy. Like we haven't, you know, but I was just surprised that when he sat down and came up with the theme, it was obstacles. And maybe I'm sure it's intentional. It's not like he made any part of this movie by accident, but it's so clearly more than just that. Like that's kind of almost like reductionary to say it's about obstacles. Yet that was the thing that he said it was about. He's, he's, uh, he said that in that particular uh, interview, but he said in, in other ones that it's about rebirth and it's about, uh, you know, In one of them he said it was about Fraggle like Rock. Yeah, exactly. He really, so, you know, just exploring the He was just high on that time for that interview. So it, it, there's a, a funny story that they tell in the behind the scenes where because, because this is all um, digital and stuff, they were doing playback and someone was showing off like how the the playback works and how I mean simple stuff you know you can like flop the image and turn it upside down and stuff like that and um, it sometimes helps to look at uh, particularly visual effects in a different perspective because then suddenly things that you hadn't noticed before will pop out at you because you're just so used to seeing the the shots you know yeah you're not looking at it really looking at it yeah because you've looked at it 20 100 times exactly and so they're like oh let's just turn the uh yeah let's can we can we see it upside down so they did they started playing the shot upside down and he was like uh that's awesome can we just (laughs) do it like that but but only the first part of the shot like as it approaches as it approaches stone you'll see the camera kind of slowly rotate and flip back over so that's when it goes back to the way the shot was originally planned but the first half of the shot has been turned upside down and then but unfortunately because they have to rotate like here here it comes but because they have to rotate it they actually had to it took like another two months to render these frames over again so they could get all the extra stuff around the edges of the frame as it as it spins but that's that's totally the kind of thing that happens where you're just like kidding around and fucking around in dailies and someone's like oh that's great you're like oh shit Jerry you are fired never talk in dailies <laughs> yeah. again okay so here's a question for you mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's pronounced Sandra there's a there's a lot of um, I mean obviously there's there's a, an issue with just on a just on a purely writing level, there's an issue with, as you know, the reason you're up there is because <laughs> we want you to. Because <laughs> they're like, this mission is about plot exposition. Yeah, because yeah. um, they're both like, yes, I did know that. Which, yeah. which, yeah, and, and which kind of doesn't even matter. And there's there's more elegant ways to put it. But um, the important thing to understand is that she is not really an experienced astronaut because that's an important part of her journey. Is that she is she being the only one who who survives she's she's got a lot more to overcome than the people who have kind of trained for this much longer um and i recognize that that that's very implausible like why would you send her up there why wouldn't you just train a proper astronaut well they sent up bruce to do this work we largely just pull for the astronaut corps we just pull from drillers yeah Um, that's what i've heard yeah so professional wrestlers there's a documentary about that in like 98 my 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 question is um in a more realistic way uh, from your perspective is is there some way that they could have still gotten essentially the same character up there in a more realistic way that's not like, yeah, you're a doctor or whatever and you've made a thing or whatever and now you're in space or whatever? Like, Yeah, I mean, so there are certain aspects of this where you can get away with that. I mean, if, she, if you accept the idea that you can jump from the shuttle to the station or whatever, she would have had very little training on station. Yeah. So you can accept the idea of you may not know what to do once you get to that stage. But certainly the idea, I think at some point they say she's been training for six months for this mission. That's that's 
That's that not, is implausible. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, the idea of them finding out about each other through this, like, do you have any kids or something like that? Like, the, uh, that's, I mean, these guys live, eat, sleep, breathe this mission as they, as they get ready for it for years and years. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you, you made the, the joke about Armageddon, but even that is almost more justified because it's like, oh, we're, we're in a desperate situation and we really need this. But it, it, this isn't a desperate situation. They, they didn't like have a time, time right. frame that they really had to get just specifically her up there. Yeah, exactly. She, uh, yeah. Yeah. And this is, I mean, this is one of my legitimate quibbles in the sense that it is, it is unnecessary because... Yeah. It That's could just be her. It could just be her bolt there. Yeah, for later. Uh, it could just be her first mission, and then yeah. you know she could and still that, have been changing. That's legit, you know? and that's legit. Uh, so she's still like, yeah, holy crap, I'm up here. And then, and then, like Anthony says, once she gets to this the space station, if she hadn't been trained on the space station, she would still be out of her element. So here comes the the cloud of debris. You know, that's that's legit. Um, <laughs> that's a thing. You know, we get messages from our trajectory operations officer, which usually starts with a basically they get a phone call from effectively NORAD, I think it's called Spacecom or Stratcom, something like that, that says, hey, there's a, there's a thing happening, it's coming at you, uh, and you, sh- you should probably move. Um, and, and that is a, uh, you know, that's legit. We get those messages all the time, and they calculate the probabilities it's going to hit or something like that. Uh, but, you know, these are, you don't want to screw around with it. We, we can handle debris at a very small, like, you know, P size or below, and that's what the station is armored for. And then anything above that, you know, we want to, we have, move. we got to move. Yeah. Um, you know, I've heard us, my, one of the astronauts, uh, was telling me he was, you know, in the pressurized, uh, module at one night, everybody else was asleep. It's very quiet on station. And he just, you know, he's quietly in there doing whatever. And he just hears ping. He just stops, kind of <laughs> looks around. My ears aren't popping. Okay. And that's just the world he lives in. Are we still pressurized? Yeah. Uh, is there, okay. Is okay. There, uh, all right. Okay. And then, like, that was late at night, right? So then, does he go to bed five minutes later? Like, because <laughs> so there was there was like an earthquake the other day, a short, you know, a, a fairly minor one, and, but it was late at night, and I was in bed, and I didn't go to bed for a while. So I didn't know that that earthquake had happened, and I've never been in an earthquake, mm-hmm. and I think I was on a bus at that point, <laughs> and I just, I, I guess, I just felt the bus. Yeah, yeah that's, the thing, if you're in a car and you're driving, you probably won't feel an earthquake. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Unless, unless it's, it's a un- good one. Yeah, unless it's friggin' San Francisco and the bridges are collapsing, then you're not gonna. Um, the 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 only problem is that thematically, with with what we're talking about, um, thematically they needed her not to want to be up there, essentially. Which is right. a, which is which is not we, never. We have we, ways yeah. of taking care of that, which is we don't send you up. There. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. It's it's that's that's the one implausible thing that s- story logic dictates it needs to be there because the s- the story of her journey is that she is just uh, as as um, Trey pointed out in the forums and I, I, I want to get that out there because it was a really cool insight. She has a her journey is that she is up there but she doesn't want to be there. She's not enjoying her time uh, up yeah. there and and they're making making the point with sharif he's like isn't this fucking crazy it's so much yeah. fun he's like and the she's portal like, space robot while while space. meanwhile <laughs> in this you know practically in the same frame she is going this is not fun at all i i don't you know and and not appreciating what's going on later on she has her conversation about she gets in the car and just drives which is literally she is going nowhere in her life you know she's just going through the motions and and by the end she she comes to say literally you know it doesn't matter what happens to me it's just going to be a hell of a ride and that's 
that the, the, that's the statement of the theme throughout this this movie. So that needs to be there for an arc. And unfortunately, I don't think there's any way to justify that realistically with what you would actually do. Well, you could. Ball. I mean, you could just broaden it a little bit. I mean, obviously, this character is depressed, but it could simply be that she's very depressed. I mean, de- depressed people. Well, I mean, I guess that's still a psychological thing that they probably she's, want to. She's avoid. more in mourning but, than depressed. But at, but, but at this point, we, she's on the spectrum to the point where she literally is saying she doesn't want to be up here. Where if it could be a thing where she's just not feeling any of the wonder and not enjoying any of the little, even the small things. Obviously, you got a job to do, but even like a, a cursory appreciation for what's going on, that could be enough. And then with dialogue. If the tragedy with her daughter had maybe happened right before this. See, and this is this would be my solution. Yeah. It, it still may still not be perfect, but to have the tragedy happen... In the process of her training, yeah, and well, it's still it's in the like, pipeline, and it's it's you know, actually I'll do one along. better because I'm assuming realistically NASA would say, you know what, your kid just died. We're not sending you up in three yeah, weeks. We're gonna give you a little bit of her yeah. kid dies while she's up there. Mm. Uh, we've had yeah, but then she doesn't have enough time to be. She has to yeah. have been on this path. For yeah, a while. yeah. We've had Maybe. crew members who's you know close family members have have died while they've been up on orbit. Yeah, because they because they're on sta- a station yeah, tour is like six months. It's six months at a time. I do. It's interesting that the call went up to the ISS. They just had, you know, ISS mission abort. The in real life, the, abort, the abort I, being there. The ISS. The, they would call back and go, "What is what? What is that? Mean? <laughs> what are we doing? That a, that's not a. That's yeah. not a thing." Okay, abort, and, abort house. So number one technical issue, you you don't see it coming. Yeah, it it, it uh, it's going like six thousand miles yeah. an hour. Yeah, right? it is. Oh, I mean, it depends on what relative orbit it is, but it is. It is hauling ass. The speed that you're talking about, you know, relative, it, it, it is highly unlikely, especially a cloud like that. No, it's not going to, you're not going to see it coming. It'll just be there. It will just have already been there. Yeah, exactly. It's it's kind of like what I've read about um, the asteroid that killed the dinos. Like you mm. see like, you know, the concept art that's the giant fireball yeah. descending slowly through the sky. It's like, it's like no. no, the thing exploded before the, anybody the, had any conception they do not, of there. The, the, the dinosaurs do not have time to think yeah. about it. Yeah. Uh, what's <laughs> one thing that's... I, I said hello. I want to point out that's really great about this scene. This I mean, is so everything. freaking gorgeous. Everything is great about the scene. When I was, when I was watching this, I, I remember, it, you know, the, the situation just deteriorates more and more and more, which is fantastic. And uh, one of the one of the times I, I saw this in theaters when when she got hit by the arm and then goes really she really starts spinning. I, some women just went, "Oh Jesus!" <laughs> like she was just so over it. Like how fucked up can this possibly? Um, Already this was only like thirty seconds into the shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it, it, she's like, it's just getting worse and worse. Here's, here's exactly a question I have actually for you, Anthony. Wouldn't she want to stay on the arm because it's a larger thing that she would rotate more slowly and she'd be more visible? Yeah, I would think so. You probably are. I mean, the arm's going to go where it's going to go. It's not helping yourself to uh, disconnect from it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, yeah, I kind of agree with that. I hadn't thought about it, but that makes, that makes good sense. I the, should plan spacewalks. Yeah. So that was that was the end of the the one big shot. I I want to say one of the things that really <laughs> makes starts that starts a White House petition. <laughs> <laughs> that the thing that really makes that scene work uh that that we don't often get a chance to talk about enough on this show but in, in particular for this movie is the music. Um the music this is mu- this is a badass score. The music is mm-hmm. doing something amazing in that scene which is which I love. The music in general is designed like echoes or like kind of a doppler like boom things passing you which I love. Uh that that design of it and for that scene and also the destruction of the ISS later, there's this aspect of, of, of what Stephen Price did, which is uh, really cool, is instead of 
instead of the music like getting faster and faster like you would often do, the music stays at almost a precise rate. It's almost like like a metronome. It's really uh, which which gives it this sense of a ticking clock and like inevitability. Yeah. Um, nothing and it, you can do will change this. Yeah, nothing you can do will change this. It's just coming at you. There's more and more. Uh, instruments being added on all the time, kind of like the debris cloud, you know, co- coalescing, but uh, the the tempo doesn't change. In fact, the only time the tempo changes is it actually gets a bit slower when the the explorer is hit because it's to emphasize the size of of you know the whole world is turning now, um, and then it speeds back up. And it the the only thing about it is also when major events happen, wherever they happen in this kind of metronome pace, it interrupts. And resets, and the metronome kind of starts over. So there's cool. this kind of jumpy wave of doing it. It does it in this, in that scene, and it does it in the ISS scene. And I, I, I really wanted to call that out because I was like, that is an amazing thing that that, that nobody. I'm will glad notice. you did yeah. because notice. people yeah. tend to, if they have any memory of the score, they tend to remember the gigantic ES posthumous Avatar song at the end yeah. of it, which I I think is a little much anyway. But the sort of ongoing score of the entire film is awesome yeah and it it's is a really cool car album to listen to yeah so it, at this point you know realistically there's you can't jump to another spacecraft sure so my question to you oh, guys is, says you not with that attitude <laughs> yeah you know you're I, i'm i'd be interested in your opinions on if this movie was her and george Clooney were cut off from the ship and they had you know two hours left of all their oxygen and consumables and that was it and it was just them alone and they could talk to each other and couldn't talk to the ground for some reason is that an interesting movie oh, i would love that movie. I, I would love the hell out of i originally a movie like that. thought Don't tell i made anybody, a musical like when that. i first saw like the the write-ups and the and the the trailer for it, where the shuttle gets destroyed you thought i was thought going? that that was what that was going to be i'm like so it's like it's like 127 hours in yeah space. it's it's open water basically yeah yeah, uh, yeah plus exactly. the vfx it's a lot easier over the course of the right thing. and and that's i mean that's a unfortunately a more realistic movie but uh you know I, I i think that's an interesting story to tell was there a thing of this one where neil degrasse tyson had a problem with the stars or was that just titanic i think i know it's lecture on titanic that's for sure i think this i, they, he, he I did, have to imagine he did tweet a bunch no, of this one they were very they I, were very particular imagine, about yeah. they made sure they got the stars that they got the major stars right. Yeah, Sandra um, and George. If they put in, I mean, I don't know much about like astronomy uh, other than it's there. But uh, if they put any of the work into star fields that they did in trying to make the ISS at least externally look right, then those stars are probably as good as anything yeah. you'll see. In, They're more in, accurate than the actual guy in the so-called yeah. sky. <laughs> yeah, right. They say they say those no, are those the, are the pleated. The, those are the those are the real stars and those are the real stars that you would see wherever they are because they plotted out where they are over the earth and and what time of day and you know all, all of that um so they were very particular about that because so, they have them moving in and out of light the the only thing is that the stars are the actual stars are kind of layered in multiple times to really give it the the you know clouds are so cool to to give it the feel of of uh, of depth of yeah depth which but, that would actually happen. depth, yeah. Um, so that means well, not of depth, but just once you're out there, it's like you can see nothing but friggin' stars. Right. And like, well, we can't, we don't have those images, we don't have those images, so we have to just kind of make it up to make sure. Oh, that I see what you're saying. So the because you can see way more stars in orbit than you can from the ground. Yeah, they, Is that threw, what they, they added. There right. are real stars, and then they added a bunch to right. fill it out. True statement. That's for sure. Yeah. That you know they say that it's it's remarkable how much more you can see. 
Yeah, the uh, they. Is it in Paul Houdini or From Near to the Moon? It's one of the two where they talk about uh, the, you know, you never see more stars than when you're flying, you know, on the dark side of the moon. Oh, yeah. And I, and I don't doubt that's it. I mean, that's miles and miles. That's it? why they're putting the James Webb Space Telescope there. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the theories behind it. They're putting yeah. the web behind the moon? I didn't know that. It's at a oh, Lagrange yeah. point. At a Lagrange point. So L4? there's actually, I'll, I'll try to find it. I don't know which one. I think. Um, but there's, there's a, a, like a, proportionate uh, diagram of okay here's the moon or here's the earth and then you know 50 pixels to the right is the moon right and that's you know proportional to the actual distance and then way on the other side of the screen is the james webb space telescope you know and it's just the actual ratio like how far it's going to be out there comparison in comparison is you can see the moon moving against the stars that is so cool pretty yeah so for anyone uh, uh who may not know um although i i feel like this movie compelled a lot more people to to really seek out the behind the scenes like how in the hell uh it's a really fascinating way that they made this movie because you would think it's you know these guys in spacesuits on green screen or whatever and then they did a lot of work but ultimately this is practically an animated movie all yeah. you, all that's really real are their faces uh, they, I mean, they performed this on a stage, and it, you can look at the behind the scenes, and it's really amazing the the stage that they built. They basically put them in kind of proxy clothing so that the shadows would be cast on them properly, and then they figured out ahead of time what the shots were going to be, obviously, and where what their surroundings and stuff were going to be, and they programmed them into this light box that they stood inside, and then they ran the the then they would run the shots. the The shots were run on a, a really advanced motion control thing that controlled could control not only the camera but them and also the lights and stuff like that it's called a, a, the bot and dolly system and they would do that they would perform it and they would have the the light uh the light box actually reflect or not reflect but but show um and bounce the proper light off them of what was actually around them which they said helped their performances immensely because they could actually see what they were supposed to. Be yeah. Doing. So like, they for example, put them in a real life HDRI. Globe. Yeah. Yeah. And when she's floating inside the space stations and it's just her, she's not in a spacesuit anymore. She's actually seeing a representation of the, the set around. Her. And that's an important thing to note as well. It's, it's, when she's flying around in the space station, there was no space station. Yeah. Like even, even when she's out of the suit, it's still a digital environment. This, I mean, this movie, so, up to, you know, from the beginning for from here, up to the point where she finally gets into the space station and takes off her spacesuit is the first time in a long, long time where I was watching a movie and I went, I have no idea yeah. how they did that. Because I didn't know about the light box at the time. Yeah. I re- read about it after the fact. When she's pulling off her spacesuit and she's still floating. I, but, I, well, honestly, you watch ooh, the behind the scenes on it. Damn. Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah, go go hole ahead. through the face there. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's talk about face physics. For a <laughs> Yay, face physics! Um, that I remember I, dropping that I, class in college. I'm no faceologist, <laughs> but uh, I'm pretty sure that if if that uh, if if the size of uh, debris like that went through it, whatever just, would leave a hole. Like your that. face would not so much be impacted as it would be vaporized. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it would be more headless than whole. Yes. Yeah. I mean that happens with stuff that's way smaller than the the apparent hole there. Right. I mean. Every now and then when someone's shooting themselves in the head, their head explodes just because you, when you overpressure it like that, even with something as small as a bullet, sometimes it just goes. <laughs> Fun fact. 
So this movie is total bullshit because there is no space shuttle explorer. <laughs> That's, it, explorer is a good name. Is it Explorer the name of the uh, the sim? Uh, I think Houston? I think that I want to say that that's the one that yeah that Houston got like yeah. the, the fake space shuttle that's going to be on the real shuttle carrier aircraft, which I will be able to see from my house. Ooh, where are yeah. they taking it? What was that? Where are they taking it? Where are they taking what? So you, you said they're putting this fake space shuttle on the actual. Oh yeah, so they're gonna put um on no the, as a static display. They're, they oh, the right. shuttle carrier gotcha, aircraft gotcha, gotcha. is now in Houston and been disassembled and was moved down the street the other day. And uh, they're going to put the fake shuttle on top of it, and it's going to turn the actual 747 into a museum you can walk through. It's a very cool idea. Yeah. So he says shuttle carrier. He means the 747 that KC-135? is KC-135? No, it's a 747. 747. It's a, yeah. Huh. Uh, that would fly whenever the shuttle would land in California, as it sometimes did. Uh, they would have to put it on top of that 747 and fly it across. It's, it's also what flew Endeavor uh, here. To, to here, yeah. to Los Angeles when and they brought some, it here. Some, some wonderful engineer at some point in the process put the words actually stenciled on the attach points for the shuttle, place shuttle here, yeah. black side down. That's <laughs> hilarious. You can see that on the internet. I've seen photos <laughs> of it. Oh, man. So, Anthony, given the opportunity to um, not have to go through the training, but just be like... <laughs> Especially com- not com- go through the Competently training. able to be up in space. Would you be down for going up in space and doing some missions? You know, I go back and forth on that because uh, you know my desire to shower is uh, is present <laughs> but uh you know certainly for an opportunity to go up and down um you know I, I i don't have a big problem with claustrophobia but i think i would in a soyuz yeah uh it is a teeny tiny little box um and uh but uh to actually go up there and to see some of the stuff that uh, you know th- that i work with every day but i don't really get to look at i think it'd be great i would i would love to do that um and uh you know whether or not that would be a good idea for uh, <laughs> for the uh, international community for, or, for NASA a moder- or for a moderately colorblind guy with bad vision. This uh, is debatable. While we're on that, what is your role at NASA at this point? So I uh, operate the electrical and thermal system. So you know, again, this is so. If you imagine, hey, you're here. Who's operating them now? Uh, we uh, we've got like <laughs> a uh, Jerry. Jerry's we've on got it. a. Soft- Did you run out and say take the con? <laughs> yeah, we've we've got a we've got one of those uh, those little uh, those little birds that dips down and hits a thing every once in a while. Yeah. Um, so that, uh, so what I do is basically, you know, I'm, I'm, I work in mission control. I work in the room, uh, and, uh, you know, just like Apollo 13 type of stuff. Uh, we don't smoke anymore and they got rid of the stair steps in there because it turns out that that's a trip hazard. Um, <laughs> but I sit front row center, uh, and so I'm in charge of the big solar arrays and when, when I sit console, you know, I, I, it's a shift work type of thing, but we operate 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365. Um, and so the, uh. There's always somebody there. There's somebody there right now. And what we do is we respond to nominal activities, things that we plan on doing. Hey, we've got a, a Russian vehicle coming up and docking, so we need to feather the solar arrays in a certain position so that thrusters don't blow them off. Uh, and then also, you know, the, the big thing, that the, you know, the, the stuff that folks associate us with is problem solving, real-time problem solving. If something breaks, what do you do? And we have a team of engineers backing us, who, backing us up who really know the hardware, but we're designed for real-time decision-making and risk management and making sure that the, the crew and systems in that order are safe. Um, and so it's, it's, it's one of those, you know, people describe, you know, hours of boredom and it's a sheer terror. It's, it's, I wouldn't, it's certainly not boredom uh, because there's always something interesting going on, especially as the vehicle is aging and going into geriatric station syndrome because it's been up there for 15 years. Is it 15 years old already? Uh, it was the first part. Well, the, the uh, Zarya. First is. part was launched in 1998, November 1998. Yeah. And so, um, and then the times when 
things go bad, you know, those are, it's as one of the astronauts calls it, type two fun. Fun you don't, fun you, you don't know you're having until afterwards. <laughs> right. And it comes down to the ability. What it, NASA, thing NASA does best is not spaceflight. The thing NASA does best that enables it to do spaceflight is problem solving. You get a room of, of NASA folks together, and you will have an answer. It goes back to Apollo 13, and I've seen I've seen it where we had a, a bolt that was stuck, and people were like, "Well, we could we could use a toothbrush." And somebody like got all the toothbrushes they have on board and dumped them out on a table, I was and, say. which was funny because they were all the same toothbrush. <laughs> I think they were. I, I'm like, you're just doing that for effect, aren't you? <laughs> I was going to say like this is a speculative question, and I want you to know, everyone, this is a hypothetical thing. This has not happened. He would never do that. But if Ed Harris came in wearing a Krantz vest and just like said it in the right tone of voice, would guys, we take orders from him? Yes. Ed Harris. <laughs> it's with full on Ed Harris face. <laughs> real answer, no. But everyone's real heart ish, would real ish answer. Everyone's heart would skip a beat and be like, uh, and then you would probably what you would do is look at the real flight director. You're like, and go, flight, um, uh? and we, the real flight director is going to go, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. Yeah. Can we go with our real dad? Yeah, yeah. We did do, have. Do we have a second to go with this just for fun? <laughs> we did have Uhura come in, and Michelle Nichols came in one day oh, when yeah, I was cool. on console, and somebody called me on the phone while she was there and walking around, and I regret to this day ever taking that phone call. <laughs> oh man, yes. Well, that was that was the day actually that Trey, who you're sitting in on, uh, was also there and getting a tour of of uh, the space station. Because remember, I texted you, I was like, "Yeah, my friend is actually getting a tour of Johnson right now." And so, if you you know wander over historical Michigan Dole, you'll probably meet him. That's actually oh, really? Trey, yeah, who you almost met, you know. 45 minutes ago. Oh, that's cool. Uh, but then you, I remember because you texted me back. Yeah, well, I met Nichelle Nichols. <laughs> that was probably the same convention. Almost as cool. Yeah. yeah. Almost as cool. So there you go. Small world. As we see in front of us. One of the things that here. this sounds really dumb uh, in terms of praising parts of the VFX of this movie because there are way more flashy visual effects in this movie than this. But I'm impressed by it. The lens flare? You're going to say the lens flare, aren't you? No. Okay, good. Uh, I was going to say... They did the... Those are real, by the way. They, they photographed? Did a, yeah, they yeah. did a whole photograph thing. Um, which is... There is a thousand ways to screw up lighting these guys. Uh, and the bigger problem is not the sun. The sun, we know how to do that. That's pretty easy to ray trace. It's the sun. When you have an Earth this close to you, where it's taking up, you know, you know we'll say 140 degrees of one side of you... That is a gigantic light source coming from all directions, which gives you this crazy soft, like Bill ambient light. lighting all the time. Yeah, and it's the sort of thing where pulling that off and making it look real and not look like an ambient occlusion pass is tricky. They had to, and they were very particular about, like I said, they actually traced the flight path that these guys are taking um, and figured out where they were going to be for each scene and and how to make sense of them getting there. It's a great shot there. Is your baby? Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. Hi. Uh, so that for that previous scene, they wanted them to be kind of mostly in the dark and mostly just lit by their helmets and stuff. So they're going, okay, how do we get them into a dark zone? How do we get them over this part? How do we, how do we choreograph this? Properly? Yeah, how do we so, choreograph yeah. this so yeah. that the, so that they're not over oh. just ocean right here? You know, so oh. it's, there's a lot going on. <laughs> it's like and Anthony's uh, over here watching Old Yeller. It's yeah. <laughs> why did they? Now, oh, aside from the fact, nice things. you said that the the solar panels will reconfigure <laughs> sometimes, and you can put them in different orientation so they right. don't get blasted off is is 
what iteration of the space station are we looking at? Is this current now? That, that's, yeah, it's, it's a completed. very accurate. Uh, uh, it's a fairly accurate current uh, look at it. A few things. That's an MBSU. Um, what, what kind of stuff is inaccurate? <laughs> um, Bear in mind, I'm not going to assume that we're taking this as a slight against the movie. No, 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 no. Just, no. What, what kind of stuff? Yeah, are I, you noticing? Um, so on the external side, I think one of the modules is in the wrong place. It's it's super minor stuff, uh, stuff that that doesn't particularly bother me. Um, that that's uh, gorgeous. Yeah. Oof. Uh, we and we we cleaned up that parachute months ago um, on the real vehicle, but <laughs> they've been meaning to get around to it. Eh. You know, it's just you know you just you're busy during the weekend and what is the this long, bit with her falling is fantastic. What is the sort of long time frame plan for the ISS? So we're good through 2020. Uh, you know, we're funded through 2020 and, you know, that's, um, including all the, yep, there's the, yeah, here we go. We're going to, that's uh, why they're moving. Yeah. It so, may not be enough, but they are moving, but we are doing, uh, you know, we're doing as much science as we can to, uh, you know, show that this is a national lab. It's a worthwhile endeavor. And, and certainly as we've come, come out of the like assembly phase and into the use phase, we are, you know, the crew members are doing great amount of science every week you know the the amount of man hours being put into science per week when especially when you think about they're usually just and now she is not spinning if you can see him watch (laughs) the stars behind Clooney. if we if we can see him here because there's kind of a glare on the tv uh, they're going in one direction because he's yeah i was was expecting to see them going in several where it's like some of them are going left (laughs) but there's a little bit of rotation there you can see it behind him it may not. It may not be enough. It may not be enough. It absolutely may not be enough. But it's not to say that they didn't think of that, and they probably just decided, "Oh, it's distracting if yeah. he spins too much." Maybe it's just maybe you know it's the wind. It doesn't look like he's spinning wind. that much. No, he's going up and up and up, even in that shot. All right. Yeah. It, so again, I think it's there. It may I not think, be enough, yeah. but they, tr- they. That's what they are going for. They. They weren't just like, yeah, he's just uh, dangling there. You know. No. No. They're spinning. Anthony. <laughs> Anthony, the astrophysicist. I'm sure it doesn't work. Final verdict. But. I have no astrophysics background, but I can <laughs> tell you that they're. Uh, yeah, this this scene is the one where a lot of us are like, ah, that's not really. No, and, my and, problem and with the problem is it's like it's so cliche. My problem with yeah. the scene is yeah. that it's cliche. Yeah. I I, I mean, if you unhooked you, I mean, what it should happen is you unhook and, and you you're just see there. Right there. Yeah, and then yeah. you could go, oh, maybe I should tink right back on. <laughs> yeah. It's better if I just. Yeah, and I don't. Just, I would just take entire, her, It would take one very gentle tug on her part. To send him, you know, floating gently. No, yes. well, they Back showed forward. that. If, well, she, if she tugs on him, then then her foot will. Yeah, I think but, with this is is a but. it's a permutation of it's a cliche, which is that this particular movie actually had the opportunity to do a really, really gripping and horrifying take on the cliche, which they opted to not do and just went with the vertical limit, Robin Tunney gag. But what they could have done is she got she grabbed him by the hand and got him, and he just slipped out of her fingers, and he is. Four inches away, too yeah. far, slowly moving, but he's like right fucking Which there. But you that, can't you get know, to him. You can't get to him, but he's just right there. And it's one of those things where they just have this crestfallen look on their face like, this right now is the worst possible thing. Just, I'm right here that would a be million exciting. miles away. Which you, you, won't hear, you won't hear me praise Mission to Mars very often, but that is, that's what they do in Mission to Mars, and I think it's, that's the right way to do it. Uh, he's just like six inches too far away and, it's like and she's gonna she's gonna come after him even though it means her own death and he he stops it the the uh, i i read a um because i was interested in in reading it and i i read a draft which turned out to be an earlier draft of of the script uh that had some things different uh including that scene i was curious how they how they wrote that scene and they originally they originally had it simply that she missed she tried to grab him and she missed and he just 
you know, yeah. went spinning off and, oh, that sucks. Um, and they decided, um, they, I, I haven't heard them talk about this, but clearly they decided that it was necessary and important for him to make that choice, for that to have been something they could have done and for him to make that choice rather than it just be an accident and, and to help kind of um, move that part of the story forward. Yeah, I actually disagree with that, but not my movie, so... I, 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 I've gone back and forth. Right now, I feel like I disagree with that, too, but then I remember... In a little while, I may think about that and remember why I was like, oh, no, I see why they made that choice. Sure. Um, but um, but I, do like, I do like the version that, that Teague was talking about better. To be yeah, like, I oh, do too. well... There's nothing he can do. Yeah. That's how it goes. Although she would... She would probably have just tried and died. So I think I think that was that might have been part of it, just taking that out of her hands. So Yeah, so I mean, and this is the main, you know, science crib on this movie is the fact that all three of these things are within yeah. hop, skip, and a jump distance of each Space other. Space is big, that's why they call it that. Yeah. And there's a lot of room up there. Um but Incidentally, that's why I think it was important to see this movie in 3D, because that's... A, oh, because the space is big yeah, aspect of it. because yeah. that's a major function of the plot. As I, as I said when I kind of wrote a review about it, it's like, you know, space, the, like the depth and the vastness of space is like the antagonist of this movie. <laughs> so you have, to be, you have to see the movie where you can see the depth and the vastness in order to really appreciate it. Otherwise, you're watching Star Wars with Darth Vader's lines turned off, you know? Wait, I don't get it. Darth Vader's lines turned off. What do you mean? It's like you're missing. You're missing half of the oh half of the experience of the antagonist. It's like it's it's still there, and you oh, can still it. appreciate that it's scary, you but you're still, not going to get right. the full effect. Right, I understand. I got you. The attention to detail, like on the truss segment behind her, is just remarkable. Like that's that's pretty much how it looks. I mean, those little that little doodad sticking off there with the two little look like microphone booms. That's legit. That radiator, that's pretty much what that looks like, the one at the top of the screen there. Um, right now, well, that's solar panel. That's the solar panel at the bottom of the screen. That's yeah. part of, yeah, that, that, again, that's legit. Right. Yeah. It's, it, somebody, somebody loved this movie. Yeah, so. Somebody uh, loved this station. <laughs> uh, Trey and I, I actually had the opportunity. Um, I don't know if I told you this, Anthony, but uh, Trey uh, and I went to a screening of this at the Writers Guild that had. Uh, Quaron, uh, the DP, uh, one of the sound guys, and also the production designer. Mm -hmm. uh, and you had told me at this point already about how, how yeah. spot on it was. And you know, I had an inkling myself. Uh, so I was able to go up to the uh, production designer after the fact and go, yeah, so my friend is actually a, you know, he works on the space station. He's is a, is a mission controller. And he says, you guys, you guys did a great job. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. So yeah, I, I'm super impressed. What is that thing? I want to know what that thing is. <laughs> the thing uh, that she just it's tried. It's like an EVA like stuff. I an don't. Experiment yeah. thing. Some NASA uh, bullshit. It's probably a thing you put out to see what the effect of space is on that thing. Huh. We do a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever do that with a cat? Uh, no, that 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 could, probably would end quickly. That'd be so cheap though. You just need like some string and a cat. <laughs> no, that's more of a Russian cat, style. Cat experiment. status fail. <laughs> yeah. Uh, abort. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> abort that cat. Like, <laughs> pretty earth i just can't believe the amount of here comes your shot yeah this this yeah i uh, mean this shot is the shot of the movie yeah and it's you know it, it knows it is that because you see it you know pop up all the time and fake space station um yeah all digital the entire environment yeah i just can't believe how much real 
memory. Memory is not a term that gets used often by people talking about visual effects after they're done, uh, just because it's not a thing that it really occurs to you to think about. It's more in terms of like, oh, I see how they modeled that yeah. conduit, and then they textured it, and they put the lights in there, and they matched the color, and cool, they, they built that, then they built that. But when you think about memory, the computer that are rendering, and bear in mind, this is probably rendered in at least 10 or 15 passes, different parts of it, and then different, you know, lighting oh, yeah. hits and all that stuff, and RGB mats and holdouts and all that stuff, but whatever. Way more than you that. Get to the point where, <laughs> you get to the point where everything that the computer is doing at any given moment it has to be doing at that moment, which means if there's a giant goddamn Earth and we're rendering the Earth for this part, you know, and you wouldn't render Earth and the spaceships on the same pass, but that's a really huge texture. And it's got normal maps and probably actually modeled clouds in it and everything. And it's just you get to the point where there well, is so much goddamn not, yeah. data that the computer has to load and configure and then work on rendering for every frame. That's one of the things that makes renders take longer or not as long is how much does it take? How many different goddamn bits does the computer have to load before it can spit out what you're asking it to spit out? Well, that's also well, that's also what the work that that's also the work that goes into renderers because I mean you look at you look at a movie like Gravity and and if you wanted to you go well we're done we got there <laughs> we can all we can just we can just stop and you know we're we're ready to to do this for the for the rest of time but the point of of continuing to work on it is to optimize that to to yeah. make the renderer cleverer to say I don't see the earth right now so fuck it right you know and and right. continue uh with with that kind of thing so did everyone else groan I didn't groan. We're it's looking a, at the in utero it's, penis shot. It's here. a little bit arch this this womb shot, but it's. I feel like the movie's kind of earned it. Yeah, so. the movie is completely <laughs> at this point. So I'm like, okay, yeah, that's the kind of thing that you do in an indie movie, I guess. But <laughs> fucking what an indie movie? <laughs> what was the budget? And it helps. On this? It helps you uh, like a hundred million. Oh, I thought it was... It's high. It, is it? A movie like this, it wasn't supposed to be. <laughs> but <laughs> It also wasn't supposed to take four years. Yeah. So the other impressive thing is, you know, while they may not get all the modules and piece parts right, like the feel of this, in the inside of the station is is fairly accurate. Really? Yeah. That like looks the, so messy oh, and yeah. like yeah. open to error. And yeah. This yeah. looks more like the uh, it actually, Russian space well, station. It is, it is crew dependent I would have on thought. how clean they keep it. Um. But, you know, you got to consider you're not dealing with square footage, you're dealing with cubic footage. So you get a little more leeway of, and they're good about keeping their cables from just kind of spinning out there. That's, that's going to be a problem. Yeah. But, uh, you know, this, the, you know, where things are and generally like the look that the Russian segment has, maybe they made, my, my one argument is they made the Russian segment look, look a little too American side because it's, you know, the Russian segment has kind of a more of a, a homey feel to it. It's, it's. A little more uh, is both homey and it's it's the equivalent of of space wood paneling. It's it's just it just looks like a like a nineteen seventies bungalow almost. Uh, if you if but you, but let me call. I enjoyed that, that whole paragraph. The laptop right there. There's like some bars and some colors. That's our scheduling software. I don't know where they got it, <laughs> but that's how we schedule and timeline the crew's day and tell them when they're going to be like within calm with the vehicle or the ground and everything. Is and that close or is that like exactly it? I, they it, somebody it, like print they, screen they, they had something? someone on the inside yeah I, that is cool if it's not exactly it then I, it's it's awfully close. i think they had a lot they had a lot of communication with nasa and the thing about it was just that um they were talking about there were kind of interesting rules it's like it's like you know we explore as a fictional um shuttle so so we it was kind of designed to be different than than the other ones and 
they there were interesting things like you can say NASA, you can have it be NASA, and you can have a patch that says NASA and kind of looks like a NASA patch, but you can't have an actual NASA patch. Like that's the limit that, huh. that they don't allow in movies. And I'm not familiar with what the rules are for that sort of thing. That's interesting. Uh, well, the, you're not I, allowed to call it space. That's trademarked. So. <laughs> yeah, space George Lucas TM. owns that yeah. and widescreen, and also the color blue and everything. Uh, well, the, he sold it to Disney. So the uh, the production designer was talking about uh, how they. Um, I don't remember if he said and if they had any official communication, but he was talking about uh, they just had to find a lot of like every reference piece they could. Like mm-hmm. we we talked about uh, how. Uh, Kubrick basically reconstructed the interior of a B-52 for Dr. Strangelove. <laughs> and like n- the Air Force didn't give him And they were blueprints. like, seriously, who told you? Yeah, yeah, and they were like, who told you what the inside of a B-52 looks like? He, he was saying is, you know, that's basically what they had to do for the station. They had to just find all the reference material they could. Now there's a lot more reference right, material, I, mean, I would imagine. A lot of folks are like, oh, is your job classified? Like, uh, it's the opposite of that. We yeah. deal with the internet. We deal with international <laughs> partners. Now there are certain restrictions on, you know, there's arms regulations and export controls and Good things like that. Good old ITAR. And oh, you're yes. still not like technically supposed to tell us about the Martians. Right. Because of the because of the incident. But um, no, it's just it, it's <laughs> there's more information out there. And it's certainly I think one of the things that helps is the amount of video and uh, you know cool pictures that have been sent down from station from you know folks like Sonny Williams and Chris Hadfield and uh, oh oh oh. Uh, so, so the alarm was. Uh, uh, fairly accurate that display is the command and control uh, laptop of the space station it doesn't blink fire but that is the yeah. inter- that is the interface through which i command the vehicle like i click on a module and and it pulls up a, a graphic display and uh, your job is, is sounding a- more and more like artemis the more you tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> is it a unix system do you know this <laughs> uh, so this incredibly horrifying terrifying thing actually happened not on the International Space Station, but on Mir. Yeah. Uh, Mir did actually catch fire, and this is, you know... Yeah, the, this, this actually happened to real people in the late 90s. Yeah. So you just have to move your DAMCON teams yeah. around. And my, my wife trains astronauts how to respond in a case of a fire, in case of a you know, rapid depressurization or a toxic release or something like that. That's a, you know, they go through this training of when, uh, uh, you know, where the fire extinguishers are located and that sort of thing. Uh, but That's uh, terrifying. It is... Uh, it, they make i mean we have a mock-up where we dump smoke into it like we have a smoke machine we're probably one of the non-club owners of a smoke machine as <laughs> has a, a smoke machine but uh yeah it's it's very important that they know exactly what to do because at these points you know we we on the ground help out as much as we can but in those scenarios fire rapid depress i mean the crew is primed for their own their own protection they've got to be the ones who have a memorized response and get out of there so, so is there a certain point where if something like that were to happen and it's, it becomes a point where they just have to do their their thing. Are you guys on the ground just like, okay, well, you know. I'm assuming you're at that point going, can. they're going to need this. Let's well, the case, on that. They're so going to the, need that. Yeah, exactly. We're trying to stay ahead of them. And in the case of a fire, we're trying to look to see, like me as a power guy, I'm trying to see, is there a short circuit somewhere that is, you know, Causing where it, a bunch or, of heat can be coming yeah. out and then I'm going to start unpowering stuff. And we can, you know, we, uh, we may unpower whole modules. Uh, and the other thing we do is, you know, you stop the fans. It's, it's, it sounds like, what would that do? You stop the airflow fans and a fire in space will tend to burn itself out because just it, just, it just sits there. It makes combustion products and pushes all the oxygen away and it just smolders itself out unless there's a constant source 
that is giving it, which is why oh, we, fuel, yeah. which is why we moved all the oily rags away from the <laughs> the, the, the flint experiment this, back out into the garage. Right. This, is the an, space this is an actual set, by the way. The pretty much the only actual set in the movie is the, the, the Soyuz. Soyuz and the the Shenzhou. But so okay, the other thing is there are there's two Soyuz lifeboats, right? It depends on how many how much crew's up there. But well, yeah, that, that was one, my question. There's six up there right now. Yeah. yeah, there's so, so they, they they come up on their Soyuz and they leave on their Soyuz. Yeah. Okay. Because like if, if there were six on people on that and station and they all evacuated, there wouldn't be a Soyuz left over. That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. They wouldn't just have an extra. Yeah, fun. That's cool. Yeah. You Good go inside. You go with your Soyuz. And that's why, you know, one of the first things they do in the event of emergency is you go to the Russian segment. You go near your lifeboat uh, because, you know, in the worst case, that's you need to have access to that. You should you can never cut yourself off from your lifeboat. You don't want to be on the other side. Exactly. We, we don't even let them. Uh, it's not let them. But we we we. We really don't want them closing hatches between themselves and the, right. the lifeboat. Right. In the and event of a of a fire or something like that, would their first move be grab your chute or would their first move be get into the Soyuz? Uh, the first move is go back to the Russian segment and assess the uh, assess what's going on. Is it is the fire in the Russian segment? Is the fire in the American segment? And then you go out from there. You know, do you is it something where you're going to try and is it critical to fight the fire to get to the Russian segment to get to your lifeboats, mm-hmm. or is it something where you can kind of go to your muster point and then meet up, make sure you know, do a head count, and then go forward and determine, well, is this something we can we can fight or we need to leave? If it was the sort, I'm assuming the last resort that you wouldn't really want to do, but probably could, I guess. You, you'd know, I don't. Can you just depress the station and just be like, all right, everyone, hold your breath real quick. I, We're going to put out the fire this way. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing uh, you, you could. Like they did if you in that one Star- episode of Star Trek. Right, right. You could do that. Um, but with, with what we do with the, oh, yeah. the fans and everything, I think between that and the fire extinguishers, uh, if that doesn't do it, you should probably go. <laughs> yeah, there's less catastrophic ways of trying to solve this problem. And why add catastrophe is on yeah, top of catastrophe? Your way works, too. But... <laughs> Yeah, so uh, when it, when the fire did break out on on Mir in the '90s, uh, they got very close to to abandoning the station, uh, and really probably should have, depending on your point of view. Yeah, if it were a NASA operation, they probably would have uh, abandoned uh, station. Yeah, I mean it, it 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 it's apples to oranges, but yeah, it, it yeah we don't we don't mess around with that. Uh, you know, if if you look at old pictures of Mir towards the end of its life, uh, talk, you know, talking about you know how God, that's gorgeous. The Russians generally keep their station. Uh, you can see that, first of all, it just got very cluttered over the years. Yeah. Uh, and they also ended up laying a whole bunch of like pipes and conduits between the modules so that they wouldn't even be able to close. We call uh, those doors. drag-throughs. Yeah. We don't have drag-throughs. Yeah. Drag-through bad. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I never realized uh, how much this little guy looks like a little fly fishing bait. Which one? Soyuz. Huh. Oh yeah, just kind of like has that like fly looking thing with the wings on it. Like it's you're based gonna, on you're 1950s put a hook fly on fishing technology. Uh, <laughs> I knew it. You heard it here first. Reverse engineered from the God. 1950s. That is gorgeous. Yeah, I mean that is this is this is another uh, single it, shot from it, here to the end of the the end of the and, ISS. It's and again, you get. A, I mean, the the thing in real life is the size of a football field. It is big. I yeah. mean, and and those parts on there, it's not it's not a symmetrical looking thing. It's got these like gangly parts sticking off of it. This is this is what it looks like. It is a it is a very real thing. And the very various little capsules and all these things, the modules were added at different parts, at yeah, different times, different things, or different labs, bringing up from different different rockets. Usually the shuttle, if it's an American part, um, and. 
built up over time. Anything that looks like circular, like anything that looks like a tube, that's uh, where the people live inside of those. And any, and then you have the big truss segment, which you can't like. That's you have to access that with uh, a spacewalk. Hmm. And then you know the solar rays and all the power systems. Uh, I mean, it's it's a it's a big thing. Is it's it entirely big, solar powered? Oh yes. We uh, our solar arrays put out about oh. 80 kilowatts total, maybe. So, a day? What what, over, what's the time period on that? No, it's 80 kilowatts. That's constant. Uh, oh, oh, so okay. Constant. Kilowatt, oh, wow. Kilowatt hours would be, I guess. What How okay. many vacuum cleaners could you run on that? Uh, <laughs> every time somebody brings up a, well, we have to power down. We only have this many amps. And I just, whatever you amount they tell me is, I say, shot? you can't run a vacuum cleaner. And then it could be something like, well, we only have 100 amps. You can't run a vacuum cleaner on 100 amps. Yes, yes you can. Yes, There's plenty you, of you power. Can, you can run like several. <laughs> and by the way, they do run a vacuum cleaner. And we do see that. With, like, <laughs> I'll be sitting there and all of a sudden the current draw on one of the power relays would just go bing like way up I'm like what the heck oh they're vacuuming <laughs> I'd imagine that would actually I, it hadn't occurred to me that'd be a thing you have to do all the time but there's gonna be like there's gonna be dust there we so we schedule them for skin flakes okay. and stuff I, I just want to say this is one of the the benefits of the way that that Quaron is shooting this is these is just these long takes and these wide shots and stuff like that the first time I saw it, there's that thing moving in the background because it was just hit by a little piece of debris. I didn't see it get hit by the debris the first time. I just saw it moving in the background. Yeah. And I'm going, why Did is I- that thing moving? It's in space. And then you see, soon you'll see another one go. Yeah. And yeah. you start to see it's- more and more. And you go, oh, oh my God. Shit. When it starts, you're like, you think you see something, yeah. but you're not sure. Did I? Did I see something? Hitch, my, my feeling is that Hitchcock would have loved this scene. Yeah. But he would have loved this movie, but he would have loved this scene, particularly this moment here with, with the wrench. And particularly she since sets all of these things are birds yeah. going by. <laughs> and, and, and there's and a lot of Oedipal issues going the, on. The, as way, well. the way that the camera is following the, the, the wrench, wrench and, yeah. and going up, she, we know it's happening, but she doesn't, is something that, that Hitchcock would have been nuts for. That's the kind of thing he does. There's a, the movie he did, oh, Rope, man. reminds me a lot of this. A lot of what this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> a lot of what he was doing in Rope is is very similar to, to what's going on. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna make this is my favorite scene some guttural sounds here as my things get hurt. <laughs> yeah. Uh so uh Do you have like did you have a NASA screening of this where everyone just watched like through popcorn <laughs> at this part like ah no <laughs> Should have it would have it would have had the exact same result that you're expecting, <laughs> and that's the uh, European automated transfer vehicle, and that is its solar array. Oh, it was uh, and being, was. Oh, 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 that's good. That, that's by basi- the way. That's basically the European, you know, uh, resupply thing, right? You have no idea the meetings that are resulting for each one of these hits. Hmm. So many meetings. <laughs> all the, it, it's like me in uh, a hot fuzz. All the people. Yeah. Oh, that's my. Oh, that is the. That, uh, so that was the thermal rotary rotary joint that, oh. that oh, this I'm, bit right oh, here this, this is, is where it's like you're on a ride oh, and dear. i i it's so it's so amazing and through yeah this is the part of the movie where i go i've never seen anything like this in a movie before I regret nothing. ever ever <laughs> and Tell just, just the I fact that of going through this experience oh, you know, it's just amazing to watch astonishing uh, and there's so much the going break up in case you didn't catch yeah it. there's so much going on every time you every time you watch it you can watch something different she's busy the whole time yeah. uh, which which you know, is, trying to fix it. Well, well, it's great as a character thing. You know, all of this other shit is going on. Yeah. Meanwhile, oh, that's gonna, that's gonna. Oh. Meanwhile, she's got a job to do and she's doing it. You know, which people complained about her. You know, 
about uh, uh, you know it, it's a main character who's a wo- woman, and a lot of people were complaining just based on the trailer, really, that she didn't seem to be in control or know what she was doing. Because granted, in the trailer, there's a lot of oh, what's going on? What am I do? What do I do? You I am know? not in control and don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, um, <laughs> it is a very panicky scene. It, it, well, that particular, not this one. It's it's actually the when they get to the ISS where a lot of that came from. But um, I mean, what are you gonna? What can you say about a character who goes through that right. and still manages to to accomplish the task that, well, that she has it's to like accomplish? This, it's the movie doesn't pass the Bechdel test, but <laughs> yeah, so, but, so yeah, what? No, you that's know? A, that's a, <laughs> but like it's, that doesn't really it doesn't. No, she spends yeah. like half the movie talking to herself. That's true, and it's never the about a man. Bechdel, the, re- the reflexive Rule one. Yeah. Ryan and Stone. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they should have had like Glados or something. Talk about the, 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 a Siri a voice. We didn't talk about casting at all. How do you guys? I, I think Sandra, thumbs up. Clooney was a little Cloonish for me. Clooney is just hitting it too hard. He's yeah, just, I mean, it's, it's a character. Two buck, a little two Buck Rogers. Yeah. I have, I have. His I don't have a problem with Sandra Bullock in any particular way, but I also don't quite get the sort of Bullock sense. If McConaughey can have a McConaughey where I, <laughs> I, I don't. I would have loved Jodie Foster. Or something like that. I don't know exactly what distinction good, yeah. I'm drawing in on, but for some reason, I think you know she does she does fine. But I she also it's not a particularly memorable performance for me. Really. No, you're crazy. Sandra Bullock is the best. No, I liked her in Speed. I have a super crush on Sandra Bullock. There's a bomb on the space station, and if it goes any <laughs> less than if we go under seventeen thousand, anything under seventeen thousand miles, and it'll blow. <laughs> she just grabs the thruster and says, I'm gonna speed it. Keanu up. comes up on a little space jet ski with a sign, Bomb on Space yeah. Station! <laughs> We're gonna burn prograde. <laughs> uh so here's actually like I would I would call this like a legitimate missed opportunity in terms of something they could have done with this movie and they didn't. So orbital mechanics is not this simple, uh in terms of just <laughs> you point to where you want to go and you fire. Uh, well, honestly, even the, the cartoony the, game how, based on how our close they are, it, it, you can get away with that. It's the difference between we have rendezvous, which is like very orbital mechanic centric of how you get close to the space station. Then you get into prox ops where you're kind of fighting against orbital mechanics to just, to just do, get, get, close get, enough. get close enough to do yeah. it. And I, I, I didn't see exactly how far away they are. Where's the handoff between orbital mechanics and prox ops? Uh, like, it's, is, it's, is it like there's a no kilometer line. or like yeah. five, five meters I mean, is it... No, no, it'd be like a kilometer, right? I, I don't know. There's no... I, yeah. I don't know. It's, okay. But at that point, you, c- you cease to be thinking in terms of the Earth and your place around it and start thinking, okay, it's right there. there yeah. Well, go, in go the, to that. In yeah. the... Uh, <laughs> go to that. <laughs> Somebody's standing work. on the front. Like, let's do this. In the Curveball Space Program uh, videos that I've watched, personally, the limit tends to be about two kilometers. So just... If you want to take that back oh, to Oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll give that back to the, the guys yeah. in R&D. <laughs> I'm baffled that that little scene right there is what they used for her Oscar nomination. Oh, yeah? During the Oscar ceremony, yeah, they showed her flipping out about the gas gauge as opposed to, like, the next scene where yeah, her she, talking to she the, gets super emotional. Talking yeah. to the guy on the ground, yeah. Uh, but anyway, I I feel like there was a little bit of a missed opportunity in the sense of she's clearly not trained for any of what she's doing now, and she has to get right there. But it's space, and orbital mechanics is weird. Like, you, you could have done something with, oh, it's... It's not as simple as just pointing straight at it and going. You have to do a rendezvous thing. That's a beautiful aurora. Oh, I've never seen and the aurora, and I really want I, to. And I've never seen him in person. I've seen him on video all the time. Yeah, we, we fly in them, but uh, <laughs> well, actually, we're over them. But uh, yeah, what's I've the one at the South Pole called? The Aurora Australis. Uh, Australis. Australis. 
What are those words? What are those words? It's funny the, the like the little religious implements there. That's that's I don't know if they have one of the Soyuz, but they have like little kind of uh, uh, you know Russian Orthodox um, idolatry in the in the Soyuz or I'm sorry in the Russian segment. I can. Oh, yeah. They actually have uh, over the the main door to the back of the station. There's a there's a, a cross and a, a photo of Yuri Gagarin. And I yeah. think Solyovsky, maybe. Tempest Fugit, and don't worry about the vase. And the Buddy Christ? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so who saw the uh, the short, the Uninguy short? I saw it. Um, I wasn't that impressed by it. I didn't, no. But I didn't like it. I, I only saw, like, I saw the first couple minutes of it, because, you know, it's like, it, and it's not even long. It's like five minutes, but I'm like, mm, no, that's, this is not, nah. Um <laughs> I didn't like it. Uh, I, I, I didn't think it was that impressive. I also... I like it better not really... I, I like it better the idea that I had watching this almost, which is that he's not even really talking to her. Like, he's sort of a little... You know, yeah. he's messing around with his radio and he hears her voice and he's like responding to it and whatnot. But most of the conversation going on is just just happens to be getting picked up right. by, by his transceiver and he's not talking to her at all. Um because I think that that plays better into what I was talking about before with the idea of the importance of of the human connection this is the, the you know this human connection is kind of what gives helps give her a reason to go on ultimately right um when she's when she's about to give up and the idea that it matters so much that it didn't even matter that he wasn't talking to her yeah. just the fact that she heard another person's voice is is what helped give her the the will to go it on. wasn't even that real of a connection yeah and you see it from the other guy's point of view i i think it would have been stronger if through most of it yeah he's he's not connected to her at all yeah. and maybe he has like one moment of real connection to her at the very end yeah he clear or at the beginning he he hears her say mayday and he thinks that's her name or something yeah he's kind of joking around with her but but other than that you know the dogs are barking and the baby's crying but he, that's just him dealing with that um, and it's happened to get picked up on, on his, you know, his ham radio or whatever is she's, she's picking it up from. Um, but instead it's like, he's, he's sitting down and having a, a conversation with her, um, and, and helping her get through this. And I, I actually think that's weaker. Yeah, I agree. It's weird what you just said. And this scene, it reminds me of, remember the scene in the right stuff where they go down to Australia and the Aboriginal guy shakes the fire and the embers come up into space. Remember that scene? That was yeah. weird. <laughs> I like that scene. I think I forgot about it, so you just mentioned it. I know, I but like it happened. It, it totally it happened. happened. Yeah. Right Stuff is, is a great movie in the sense of... It's very cinematic in the things that it's depicting, but it does not really have a connecting theme. Not really. About. It's kind of it's kind of a little anthology. It's like a little yeah, mini from it, the Earth to the Moon. Yeah, exactly. It's just a, yeah, a mini But it did contain footage of the best pilot I ever did see, and that's good. Got any demons? You might have a stick. See, I th- I think Sandra Bullock is fantastic. I think this scene is amazing. Oh yeah, I, I agree. To consider the actual, uh, you know, she's actually sitting in a chair right now, hanging upside down or sideways or whatever, with her I arms just like sitting. hanging in front of her in this really awkward way. Uh, I think she's I th- just I sitting. Just the, uh, so the, good. the amazing. Uh, again, this is a real set, but but even in this, there's amazing effects work going on because all of the belts. Uh, are animated they're digital and animated right. so that they'll float um which is just a crap ton of very subtle work that had to be done over the course of this you know uh eight minute shot or however long it is how would they have broken this out for 3d i'm assuming obviously with the cards the heads those are going to have to be hand done 
But everything right. else, you're it's, probably going to get it from VFX. It's a, it's a, in mats, right? No, you're absolutely right. The, the, well, well, the, any, anything that was done in, in the, that, that was CG, it literally computer generated and originated in the computer, was produced uh, natively. That was, that was produced in stereoscopic. You know, both sides were rendered, which you were talking about how complex it was in the first place, and then they're doing it in 3D. Um, yeah, but, you know, at that point, you get that. It's, uh, it's unfair to say you get it for free, but you kind you of get, get it for some free. of it for free. It's not you. don't, you don't have double, to roto all the different individual parts. You of don't. The cloud. You don't double the same amount of. You don't double the amount of work, especially when you're when you're um, in the renderer and stuff like that. It's more like it's forty percent more work as opposed to a hundred percent more work. Yeah. But um, because a lot of the calculations have already been done, you're just slightly shifting them. But um, it, it, it's it's good to point out that. Because of the cramped spaces and, and the way they were doing it and stuff like that, uh, the, it was not shot stereoscopically, any of the live stuff. All of their faces in the helmets uh, were converted, uh, and, and these scenes here inside the, uh, the capsules uh, were also converted for 3D, which I think they did a, a very good job. There were some uh, issues I saw with it, actually, in the... Uh, um, hair? In the... Oh, there's always going to be trouble with hair. In the... Um, the womb scene, like that, that actual iconic shot, there was some tearing like along where, yeah, where yeah. the, the arms and legs cross. And I, I, and I was shocked by that because that is the kind of thing that you, the, you always call out and you really try to minimize and, and work on and you'll do paint if you need to. And it's like, that's the shot of the movie. Right. And I'm, I'm amazed that they allowed that to get through. I suppose most people wouldn't notice, but. And yet you endorsed it with your 3D purchase. <laughs> I didn't know. You know, the original no, screenplay the for this, I mean, that was going to oh. be, uh, this scene right now was going to actually be Gene Hackman from Maroon. <laughs> <laughs> We've How do you guys feel here about, for 40 years? How so, do you guys feel about the idea <laughs> of doing a dream sequence in this movie kind of at all? Well, she's I'm okay with losing yeah. her, her, you know, she's, she's oxygen deprived and hallucinating. So, um, and this is, yeah, this is a dream sequence. The hint is that neither of them, uh, have visible breath, which she does when she's uh, alone. Oh. I didn't pick up on that part. Before. Yeah. Okay. She, she has visible cool. breath when, when she's talking to Anagak, they don't in this scene. And then when it goes back and he disappears, you'll see her breath reappear. Um, so that was, that's the clue that, uh, that this isn't happening. Oh, screw that mirror. Which mirror? The mirror on his wrist. His little... Oh. <laughs> it's just like, as a VFX artist, I'm like, oh, get the hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? That one too? <laughs> Damn it. At least in this case, it's a set for the most part, so you're getting most of your reflections for free. But if that, that going on outside, I guess in that case also, because it's, it's a CG digital. suit, then you can just you can do the reflection for realsies there. But like, oh, God, really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as as uh, we may not have been clear before, I was talking about only their faces are real. All of the suits, everything outside is digital and reconstructed, you know, in, in animation and stuff like that, all of their motions. Um, and they talked about uh, discovering very interesting things about, about the subtleties of uh, um, how things are different. And I, I may get this backwards, but between the Russian suits and the American suits, one of them is designed so that the neutral state is fingers out, and you have to you have to tighten them, you have to compress your fist, right. and one is, one is designed with fingers compressed, and you have to straighten them. Oh, yeah, I think that's right. I forget which one is which. Yeah, I, I I don't know which is which. Actually, if you if you look at her suit, it would appear that the the Russian suit is the one with the uh, compressed. I'm trying to figure out which one would be ideal. Obviously, a middle ground would be ideal, but I I have to imagine the one that's built to be fists would help you more because it gives you free grip. You, you know, you open your hand to grab something, and then you're getting right. at least some free pushback right. from the suit itself just to hold it. But yeah, again, maybe you just not. like relax your hand entirely. Like you ever realize that it's like a hand? 
Uh, but it's, you know, if you relax Here it, come the it kind of like One, two, turns three. into half a, half a grip. Yeah, it's it's not naturally either. It's, yeah, it's in it's the middle. Yeah, it's somewhere in between. Yeah, it's fine. I, I, you know, we, for as close as I am to it, you know, all the spacewalk stuff, we're usually on the, my system's on the supply side of spacewalks rather than like the actual execution side. Like our, 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 our stuff needs to be spacewalked because uh, oh. <laughs> our stuff breaks and we, we work very much closely with the EVA guys then. But, uh, you know, the no, knowledge about the systems and the suits and everything like that, that's, uh, you know, that that's a whole world. I mean, it's a spa- each one of those Isn't guys that- is wearing a, a, their own spacecraft. I mean, a spacesuit is a spacecraft. It's very very remarkable piece of technology isn't uh isn't that what jen was working on for a while uh she is uh so she does life support training and things like that okay yeah. i thought she was involved in spacesuits at some point uh I no i don't i don't think okay. so i have to ask did jen, you meet, did you meet her at like Embry riddle or at nasa or is it just like two random high school sweethearts that both ended up working no no NASA? no it was no it was uh we met at nasa she's uh she's a local down there uh from from houston and she uh she and her well her best friend worked on a flight with me uh back in 2009 uh, we sat next to each other in one of the back room one of the multi-purpose support rooms and uh they, she uh, got us together hmm. nifty yes well we spent as many and time her dad as, is an astronaut right her dad it was an astronaut was an that's astronaut. correct back in the 80s uh so which is uh shuttle missions uh yes he flew four shuttle missions uh three in the 80s two in the 90s on challenger and discovery yeah, Challenger and Discovery. Wow. Um, so yeah, um, kind of the family fa- family. Business. Is your dad an astronaut? Uh, right. Exactly. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. I hear fun stories about her from you know growing up in uh, basically science fairs in the Clear Lake area of Houston. <laughs> are a, are, are massively are, unfair. Are a cutthroat business. <laughs> It's like, oh, I, uh, here's a, you know, here's a terrarium. Oh, and here's my nuclear railgun. <laughs> I, I put different things into Coke to see how fast they would dissolve. I took different things into space yeah, to see exactly. how fast Here's they would Yeah, exactly. Here's some stuff that's been in space. No science, just is. <laughs> <laughs> Drop Take the mic. it and like Boom. it. Boom. <laughs> I won three science fairs in a row in elementary school, year, 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 and I would not have had a chance, even in like the surrounding counties. Well, it's funny, you know, when you grow up there, everything is normal. You know, her stories about, you know, how... How that, uh, how it was to grow up with that all around you all the time. Uh, there's a funny story about when she was her dad, her her brother. It was career day at school, and uh, her brother asked her dad, "Hey, can you come in?" But can you come in as a marine? Because you're also a marine. Because everybody else's dad's coming in as an astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's just kind of what like, the hell? It's like, like, it's like, like that being that's like, so. It's such it's a like, weird oh, perspective. You're a, a milkman. What's that like? <laughs> Yeah, it's like the one kid whose dad is an accountant. He's like, yeah. that's his one day to shine. Yeah. <laughs> but then he's an accountant to the astronaut, so it's still like not that awesome. Accountant of the space. <laughs> I mean, that's like, you know, on the other side of the spectrum, it's like that here, it's like, you know, we all know somebody who's at least slightly famous. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you're friends with so-and-so. It's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, again, I, if you're around it, it becomes normal. What'd be funny yeah. is if, like, at diners and various eating establishments around the houston greater area if they have like headshots of astronauts from when they come in that one day it's like oh will you sign this and we'll put it on the wall with all the other astronaut photos it's like here you have a diner it's like hey leonardo dicaprio and gerard butler on the wall he must have come in at some point yeah. there it's just like pictures of like albine they they that is 
that is it. That is what. That literally, <laughs> that is that how happens? they do it. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. All most uh, most restaurants down there have that. There's a wall at the. It's a really good Japanese. The place. wall of the stars. Right. There's a really good Japanese place near my house, and and it's just the whole wall. Especially the Japanese astronauts love coming there because it's actually a really good Japanese food. Um, and if you hear that from the Japanese, that's that's a good sign. <laughs> have you met any of the Apollo astronauts? Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, was that a dumb question? No, it wasn't oh, a dumb question. No. I've I've met one, um, and, and uh, it was John Young, uh, who was at my wedding. And I still say I met him, even though you didn't actually introduce us. That's but I that's still correct. Well, you Brian just got drunk and sauntered over. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> flashed but, him well. <laughs> just like <laughs> and, well again and whenever i uh encounter him he's a great, Check out great this guy he, he and his his wife are, are uh, uh very good friends with my wife's family and they've always been very good to us um and uh it's just you know but part of me whenever i see him and whenever i'm near him i just you know having a regular conversation with him but in my in my brain is just constantly going and how was the moon <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what was the moon like <laughs> Moon. <laughs> Tell me about the moon. Yeah. You're just like hearing like a high pitched like tinnitus buzz. Your whole, moon, 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 moon. <laughs> so there are, uh, you know, just for the record, there are three currently individuals in all of human history who have been to the moon and back twice. And one of them was one, at Anthony's wedding. One of them wedding. was at my wedding. And the other one. And Brian was at my wedding. I was there too. So by the transitive property, Brian has been to the moon, moon once. Right. <laughs> And the second, the second. Well, then, um, by the transit of property, I have flooded John Young's apartment. <laughs> yes, that's a great story. Uh, it's just a college story. I didn't. I didn't, act, I didn't actively flood it. I just didn't do anything to stop it. <laughs> I just stood all that is by. needed for evil to win is for good men to do nothing. Right. That's 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 what we went with that day. Uh, yes. Oh, this is so tricky. Yeah, so this, I mean, this scene again is is This is great, where she, she jumps onto, the, this is the Fast and the Furious bit well, the where she fact, jumps onto the truck. The fact that the, the, the rest of the movie has been her tumbling out of control through space and this is her, this is her taking control. Um, and, and, yeah. It and would be so impossibly leaping. difficult to navigate oh, you like this. Yeah. Never, never. You, you, yeah. But the, the fact that she was willing to do this is the important again it's like a proactive never would, step it, you never would yeah. but story wise story logic this is i like to imagine imperative. you know when she gets back to earth and you know back to nasa and she has the debrief and she tells them about this part i i would like to imagine like the other nasa engineers going no <laughs> yeah that no at which point they they'd start like yeah. trying to fill in the more plausible ways now she could have gotten yeah, on there yeah. where it's like clearly you now I feel like you were yeah. lying about this everything. This is all, yeah. Uh, you got your your Batman. She's doing a contact thing. It never happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it's like okay. what do you mean? She's got eighteen hours of tape. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> does the does the Chinese station actually look like this at this point? Is it this big? Uh, no, it's not that big. Yeah, um, it's basically the size of the service module of the of the uh, Russian segment of the, of the space station of the U.S. Or, I'm sorry, the uh, International Space Station. From from what I know, I also have uh, it's it's. I wouldn't say shocking. It it is it it is interesting to me how little those of us who work in space know about the the Chinese space station. I don't, it's not like they're actively trying to hide it. I don't think it's a. It's not I, suspicious. I don't, I don't think it's a it's golden. Like, it's not a golden eye, but it it is something where uh, it's just we we are loosely aware that it's there, but we just have no involvement in it. Uh, we wish them the best. Every, you know. Are is the ISS <laughs> and their space station? Are they on like the I, saying the same orbit is kind of hard to. 
I, I do believe that they're they are at the generally the same, same or angle? similar inclination, right? Right on. Uh, of course, you know it all depends on what time of the day when you're at that inclination that right you launch the, the vehicle. I'm not sure about that. I know stations around three to four hundred kilometers. Um, so that's like you know. Two, Does it vary, or are you just oh uh, rounding? Well, so when the shuttle program ended, we boosted it up <laughs> because we no longer had you know the Soyuz doesn't have as much of a problem getting up that high. Uh, so, uh, but the shuttle did cause you know, mass, you know, vault altitude is, is fuel. So once the shuttle program was over, we had an ATV, uh, a European automated transfer vehicle, big tanks. And so we said, all right, let's go up about 50 kilometers. And so we fired huh. off for a bit. It's interesting. It had quite a lot of effects on, on, uh, you know, just the thermal environment and things like that. Orbital debris, our orbit time got a little bit longer. Uh, these things that you, uh, you don't notice until you leave the neighborhood. At this point. <laughs> I have to imagine this is not the case, but I'm going to ask anyway. At this point, is the altitude set for life, or do you have to constantly? Oh make no, we have to. to I mean, anything, especially at the altitudes we fly at. So Hubble is it's out of the atmosphere, uh, isn't it? Uh, well, so Hubble's at 600 kilometers, but yeah. there's still you know there's atomic oxygen up at 600 kilometers, which is well above where the station is, and so the Hubble will eventually decay and fall, and it's probably going to be I think 30 years or something, maybe something along that line, and that depends on the sun. If the sun gets mad and throws heat, uh, throws a lot of stuff at us, the the atmosphere expands and drag gets worse. Uh, station where it's at and how big it is, of course, and how you know non aerodynamic in the least it is. Um, <laughs> it's designed to catch wind. It really is. I mean, we we move our solar rays at times just for the purpose of drag reduction. Um, but as big as it is, it uh, you know we reboost probably once a month ish, and it's you know a little fire. We you know we we go a couple miles an hour or something like that. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. How much altitude do you boost it by? Like a kilometer or like 500 meters? Uh, you're getting out of my uh, my my wheelhouse. I, I just I just I wonder just, like just how make, much decay they're I like. Just, you know, let it sink a little bit. All right, bounce it back up. If that's yeah. 20 feet or like you know, it's it's it just hit the Eiffel Tower. We got to push it up a little bit higher it's now. It's a skosh. It's a skosh. <laughs> yeah, can we just uh, just a hair higher if we could just a kick it really just kick it. Yeah, That'd be all we need. This is such a tense goddamn scene. Yeah. There were two movies last year that both set high watermarks for me being tense in a movie theater. One of them was Captain Phillips, especially the end of Captain Phillips. Uh, and the other was this. And both of them are... The fact that she... By the way, but the fact that she manages to make a little joke in that scene... What, speaking Spanish? Yeah. She's yeah. like, oh, no, hablo chino, <laughs> and turns it off. It's That's the kind of thing that... A lot of people, a lot of people complain about movies being too serious these days, and they're right. Um, and uh, you know, folks will say, "Well, it's a se- it's a serious, serious movie. It's a serious movie. Serious things are happening." It's like, yeah, but people do that. Yes, <laughs> you know, pe- yeah. people do that. You can still have some levity. You can still have the characters. And do nobody stuff is like mistaking that. this movie for a comedy because of that yeah. one moment. So, although so, at some points this movie does go full Clooney. A little, a few times. Speaking he's, a, of, he's a little too late. By the way, too light. it's true. But but yeah. speaking of the uh, the conversion, because they were actually shaking her and the set and the camera, real hard to deal with. Didn't really work. Didn't really uh, work because at that point, all your little it. rotor shapes have to be tracked. Yeah, and because every, they're all jiggling, and everything's and everything's blurred together, and and it's not really working. And, and also. So. I'm sorry, I just noticed, like, and it, nothing should be floating right now. It should all just kind of be pressed up Slammed. against the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if I were her, I would probably want to move that that set, because that's going to smash you in the face. <laughs> Do you remember the, uh, did you guys remember the one of the behind-the-scenes featurettes from Apollo 13, how they got the out-of-the-window sort of blasting furnace of fire going on, how that effect was actually done? I think hmm, Rob I Legato was the soup on he Apollo was. 13. By the, by and what the it was, was a t- oh. it was uh, it was time-lapse footage of fire. 
And just when you overexpose and give each like frame a second to expose, the result when you play it back is just this perfect. Huh. Yeah. The um. Uh, the, this movie is set up in such a way, and especially with that last monologue, that you watch this and go, "She could really die right now." Yeah, it's not like there's gonna be like, a sequel. Yeah. The movie, the, she's never going back to space. It, it, <laughs> she's, well, well, the, it, it's just that it's just that story wise, you, you watch it, it and you go, "Just now." I, Did I, you I, feel it? I, felt something. I thought it was a truck. It might have been a truck. The, the floor in this room bounces a lot because right now we're actually over negative space. There's a garage underneath us. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, I watched this and thought, st- I hope they don't, and they don't, obviously. But story wise, they her arc it, is so, story, story yeah. wise, it's it, it is valid to kill her now, or it's valid to not show whether or not it, it would be valid to to fade out and roll the credits right now. Well, let's split the difference. Let's get her back to Earth, get her out of the water, get her under shore, and then have her trip. <laughs> just snap her and then she, and then she steps on a rusty nail <laughs> yeah. and then she gets bit by a mosquito and oh west nile yeah that's so gra- this is gravity too so the the main capsule of uh of a soyuz which is i guess the same thing as basically this chinese the chinese thing um you know it's designed you know people complain about russian design oh, it's from the 40s well like it's a really cool design like if you it's natural state in a situation like this is to m- maneuver itself to be heat shield side down yeah like yeah. it's, Which it's they a show, real smart they, design they just make it but it's like a lead weight that is he- weighted heavier on one end so yeah basically the, it's, the center of mass is low enough that it yeah, uh, yeah. center of mass and then the aerodynamic center of pressure are offset in a way that it kind of corrects itself it's like one of those bozo clones. but the uh apollo the command module was the same way wasn't it yeah i think so now, uh, Phil Plate's been looking at this shot a lot lately. He's trying to find out if it's actually a meteorite or if it's just like a rock falling <laughs> oh, off of it. Oh, wow, the... a bad astronomy reference. You guys are the best. <laughs> Finally, a joke for my generation. Yeah. This, that the, smoke, This dude, is used in, we have lots of questions. Not. The fire is actually, uh, uh, the fire is actually pretty bad compared to Wait. how amazing the fire was in the ISS, which, by the way, was a tremendous effects challenge because there's not a lot of reference for what yeah. that looks like. I've only yeah. ever seen like two pieces of footage of fire, and it's always like a match. Yeah, it's a tiny piece little thing, and that's yeah. all they could. That's all they saw either, and they're like, "Okay, yeah, I guess we, we're just we, we have, have a we have a up. we have a luckily small amount of data points, but yeah, yeah, we have a furnace rack on station where we just like set little balls of fluid on fire, and it's really interesting to see. Huh. Hmm. And presumably all of them end up being little spheres. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And then they just kind of maneuver themselves around. Some of them get little jets out the side, which I don't really understand. Um, Air pockets, maybe? Science. <laughs> or just know. uneven fuel burning. The water also, 80% there. That's oh, a CBB. Uh, well, a lot the water. of this, the, the, the water's actually... Well, uh, I mean the water, these, the surface of the water. These scenes are, uh, they, they shot a lot of that with, uh, with the model, so some of that is real. But... Um, yeah. Also, also, just to point out, this also actually happened in real life. Gus Grissom. Oh uh, yes. His he and you know, and it they, was his fault. They they dramatize it in uh in the right, right stuff, stuff, but yeah. they talk about you it know, wasn't his fault. I was uh, yeah, they did they did finally confirm you know many years after the fact that it wasn't his fault. It was his fault because he brought dimes. The uh, the hatch blew <laughs> off. The hatch blew off on its own uh, before he was ready. Before it was supposed to. Uh, and all of that, what you just saw happen to Sandra Bullock actually happened to Gus Grissom and he almost drowned. The fact that, you and know, that, and then his suit filled up with water. Exactly. Yeah. Which, you know, the thing you don't want to be in, uh, <laughs> I love which that, we proved this summer. The thing you don't want to be in, in water is spacesuit. I, the, the, the fact that this, the movie, the way it's constructed 
it refuses to give her a break <laughs> until literally the last second. It's yeah. like, there's this. And even as she's swimming to the surface, it's like, oh, no, there's kelp. No, that the, might fucking... No, the parachute. <laughs> yeah. She's got to get out of the fucking yeah. parachute. Oh, man. But so, I'm allergic to This movie, to like, with, with the same font and everything, but it's just called Fuck Sandra Yeah, <laughs> it refuses. Yeah, even right there, it's like, oh, but she might right here. And no. So now we're in the final shot huh. of the film. Is there ever an indication just, of photoshopping a shark fin? Yeah. <laughs> is there ever an indication of where this is in the in the behind the scenes materials or anything? I think, they it, say where? I, I think the it's presumably you to could be. figure it out based on where they were in orbit. It's supposed to be yeah, like, like Indonesia somewhere or something. In, in my assumption, or Mongolia my assumption, or it's like the place. It, it is the same place that they crash land the beginning of Planet of the Apes. Yeah. It just has that feel to it. <laughs> they actually they actually shot it. Um, Watch this be the island from Lost. God damn it! <laughs> they actually shot it in Utah. And then uh, hmm. at a lake in Utah, and then they realized that um, they were and like, Utah "Well, is a she's place. supposed to she's supposed to return, and it's a it's all about rebirth and being being you know and life and 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 uh, you know that whole thing and, and whoa, whoa, celebration of a celebration of life. And they're in Utah, and it's a desert, and everything's brown <laughs> and dead, and so so all of this greenery, this is all we this can't is all celebrate digital. life. In this Utah? is all tracked in, and oh, th- wow. there's a huge amount of visual effects work going on in the background behind her that they did not intend to do. They thought this was going to be. We don't even have to touch this shot. Nope. <laughs> they had to do. Why not just go a find a new lake? I'm. I honestly, I honestly don't know. Yeah. But uh, that's. I mean, there's impressive, and then there's ridiculous. Yeah. But they. Uh, so so this work last impossibly bit. difficult not smart yeah yeah exactly well i hate so, the, i hate the part that's upcoming here where she stands up and she says gosh it's hard to standing up it's yeah. hard to stand up because of all of this gravity and, then they cut. <laughs> and looks know. into the camera yeah like i thought that was just a bad Wait. boy i'm just tired of these star wars <laughs> i liked um coron talks about that this is this is kind of a um this is a a this whole thing is a metaphor for the birth of life and, and particularly the... She's like rather, a fawn. Rather inaccurate. Well, not only that, it's like she's just been born and water is always a symbol of birth and rebirth and stuff like that. Um, and there's that aspect to it, but there's also the aspect of um, kind of following the, the path of evolution. It's like she crawls out of the, the water and then she finds her way into all fours and then she manages to stand up like kind of hunched over and then she yeah. manages to uh, get all the way and there's up. And the frog is a, a reference to that too, the frog yeah. that... So it's by. Do they say so, in the movie how long she's been up there? It's a couple weeks. So she's so she'd be able to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, we've gotten good enough at our uh, what do you call biological countermeasures that you know after folks land on or after being in station for six months, like I I once saw a crew walk into Mission Control after we like they had departed from they were on station forty hours earlier and they walked into Mission Control and they were just saying hey. Huh. Wow. So, like, and they had in there you was think, like, like but you three like, flights actually, from Kazakhstan, which that alone. <laughs> That alone, you, you lose a bunch of bones. Exactly. You think like even if you, even if you're doing like exercise with added weight and all that stuff, and you're doing resistance training, even stuff like your lungs and your yeah. heart would you can't really exercise those. I well, I mean, it's, maybe you yeah. can. So we have treadmills, we have uh, bikes, we have uh, resistive exercise, like you know, you kind of lifting weights, but except using uh, rubber bands type of stuff. Um, and we've I, I I know the biological guys have have really made a lot of progress just from the beginning of station when folks came back and they didn't seem so hot to now where you know there's still variation person to person but folks folks come back uh, you know we are getting better at managing the human body through space flight and the cool thing that they're about to, to start doing is they're gonna have uh the twin brothers are gonna have one stay on earth that's and right. one go up yeah. that's a, that, i i love so the awesome. idea of that experiment but it is a little creepy on the pitch 
where it's just like, all right, we're going to take some twins and we're going to put one of them in space. That's just, yeah. I, I understand everything about why that's a fine idea and it's not a problem. It just reminds me of Mengele too much. <laughs> Where it's I, like, we're going to take one twin because we have a control group and we're not going to pour lie into his eyeballs. I, <laughs> and then we're going to see what happens to this guy when we do. I think it's just incredibly awesome that you had a set of identical twins that both became astronauts. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And one got to marry a congresswoman. That's exactly it. Yeah, actually, my wife is training that one-year crew. Oh, that's crazy. Kelly so which one is going up and which one's staying? It's the Kelly brothers. <laughs> well, they're going to... They're gonna, they're, Scott is going up. Scott is going up. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna switch and like, wear each other's clothes and shit. No one will know. Yeah, right. Well, we, always, yeah, what we, they joked, switch about, we joked about that. For I, I, I was the thermal lead for, his, uh, for Mark Kelly's shuttle mission. It's like, how do we... How do we know? How do we know it's, it's Mark and not it's Scott? Him. We should give what? Can we put a bell on him or something? Yeah. <laughs> Tattoo something on his face, <laughs> like a Darth Maul thing, just he so we to, know. They it's have always... to wear a Thing One and Thing Two shirt. <laughs> ah, Mission man. Control voice Ed Harris. I didn't. I forgot about that. That was. Yeah. I, that's yeah. a great little piece of stunt casting. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, he was Mission Control. The one thing I, I, I will say also... Um, but Gene never talked to the astronauts. They should have actually right, gotten... They should have had a, had yeah. a cap. They should have gotten the guy. They should they should have gotten an astronaut from a from a different movie. They, they should they should have gotten like you know, like like Kevin Bacon. Clint yeah. Howard. Yeah. Yeah. Or Clint Howard, right. Psy. Yeah, man. Gravity is what it is. And the problems that I have with it are all problems where it's like... Hot and dolly, there I, they are. I feel like I'm posturing by having these problems. Where it's yeah. like, this movie is so goddamn unbelievable... That it's like, uh, you know, though, that it's just something about that was just kind of didn't seem perfect. Yeah. So I am entitled to a movie that's better than this. And I, I honestly can't stomach the idea of endorsing this one. I couldn't do it. It's just it's like the problems you have with it is like, get over yourself. Who cares? Uh, I think it's awesome. So glad it got made. Hope it inspires people to make good spinoffs. But I'm sure this is the sort of thing where. The amount of work it goes into making this movie, people don't take that on lightly. Like, oh, we should just do what Gravity did. No one comes to that decision like, oh, yeah, we should totally do that. It's going to be like Airplane 2 where they just do Gravity around the moon. Yeah, well, that's that's the joke I was going to make. I'm like, they're not... The the lesson they should take is that if you make a movie about characters and you're telling a story and, and, you know, then spectacle is great, but this is all centered like you said it started with theme and it started with all of that but the lesson they're going to take is someone write me a script with julia roberts on the moon <laughs> like that's the next thing we're gonna oh, get yeah instead. well the i mean hopefully plate dimensionalization lead yeah, yeah that's important guys uh hopefully what is the result is that you know the reason this movie was difficult and took four years to do is because they had to invent the technology in the first place. Yeah, several times. B- several times. But that part is... Which is also is the done. reason that space is difficult. Yeah. The, that exact reason. Yeah. But that is, you know, a, that work sure is done. That doesn't com- have to be redone. Yeah. I like so that they have a, a head of shading. Like, that's remarkable. Oh, yeah. like, I'm, oh, sure yeah. I'm sure they had the conversation like, should we just try and do... Should we just go to space? Because this it's probably cheaper if we just it go really, to space. Really, like 10 years from now, it would probably be cheaper and easier to shoot this movie yeah. in space than... Uh, uh, did I ever tell you my, my when space tourism really takes off my idea for a space tourist trap no. that I want to make happen? Is this a Futurama joke that you're about to do? I mean, it would it would be in place in Futurama. Them, yeah. It would be on Futurama, kind of joke. You know the uh, the Escher staircase uh, drawing. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I want to build that in space and just like cover <laughs> the whole thing in Velcro, so you can walk around with Velcro shoes. That's a good idea, actually. Yeah. I'm, I'm down for that. Brian, yes, gravity. Yeah, it's well, it's what you said. It's like there are quibbles, but I feel like an immense snob having any quibbles whatsoever. 
Like we didn't even talk about the uh, the debris actually changes direction, uh, which you know. I was shut up. I was actually really proud of myself for noticing that and understanding orbital mechanics enough that I could go, "Hey, I noticed that." But it's that that's exactly the, f- the effect. Like anything that you actually spot, you, good for you. But if you actually take issue with it, <laughs> good you're for not. you, asshole. <laughs> yeah, good for you, asshole. And I say that applying it full well to me too. Uh, and then everything, everything we already talked about, like the first five minutes, are yeah, Clooney's performance, yeah. But other than that, I mean, it's it's superb. Dorkman Scott. Uh, yeah, it's a fantastic film. It's just for once, say something nice about this. Like you? you, like you said, I think, um, I think this is going to have a much more profound effect on movies going forward than Avatar did. Uh, it it's you know it's not. It's not quite uh, the the cultural event that Star Wars was, but like I said in our our um, you know best in, of 2013 thing, I feel like w- watching this movie was very felt to me like it was probably very similar to the experience of seeing Star Wars for the first time of watching this and going, wow, they're doing something that nobody has ever done, and movies are not going to be the same after this, um, because like you said, it just just the fact that this kind of production is now in people's minds. It's been invented and now people are going to go, ooh. This is something we can <laughs> this do. This is an option. Yeah. Um, mama, gracias. going to change things. Oh. So, um, wow, look at the thanks. Guillermo del Toro, James Fincher, Cameron, Cameron, Fincher. Uh, well, Guillermo del Toro is, is Quaron's best friend. Yeah. And, uh, <gasps> yeah. yeah. Oh, do they go and like do laundry together and like... Yeah. <laughs> no, they're that, rich. Those they have two, they, for them. but they're like those, buddies. Those they go to the and, zoo uh, together. Those two and Inarido, the, 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 the those three are are very close because um, they all came up. Who's the third one? Uh, I I probably mispronouncing his name, but Inarido. Inarido. Uh, um, okay. the, he made um, uh, Babel. Uh, and, oh, okay. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, so that's um, yeah. So so they're all close, and they all kind of talk about each other's movies and, and go to and zoos together like yeah um i don't remember what i was saying but just gravity is awesome and i'm <laughs> glad that it exists and yeah it immediately became one of my favorite films um and that's the end of my story i liked it thank you can you tell again do you have time yeah <laughs> anthony thanks so much for coming out man oh absolutely this was awesome this this was awesome it was good to see this one again i i, I love this movie what are there uh you talked a lot about how it was received and how you're anticipating it. Are there things about this movie that you particularly like? Above and beyond where it's like, okay, here's the premise, but some things that they handled in certain ways were like, that was really cool. You, you, can't, you can't overestimate how nice it is to see an, an, an accurate representation of the space station. Like, you grow up with a vision of what space is supposed to be like. And honestly, you know, a lot of the things we put in space just don't follow that. And the idea that they wanted to put the effort into this to make this a a story with a somewhat of a realistic setting um, is important, and I think it aids a lot to telling the story. And uh, um, the fact they didn't take too many terrible liberties with that was 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 good to see. It's, if you're going to have techno babble anyway, at least have it be real techno babble. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, seeing the destruction of the space station. Uh, not 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 pleasant, uh, but uh, you do what you have to do. What you always do: turn turn death into a fighting <laughs> chance for life. In, ter- in terms of yeah, I was gonna the say fact, the fact that this uh, you made a really good point uh, there that that I want to make make sure we hit is the fact that that all of this 
was specifically in service of telling a story. They had the story first, yes. and then they invented this entire new world of filmmaking and, and all of this other stuff in order to most effectively tell that story. As, a, there, there as, opposed to, as opposed to Avatar, which wanted to invent technology, and he just made up a story to excuse it. Yeah, there were easier ways to do this movie, but they <laughs> wouldn't have been that good. Yeah, Alfonso built all this technology and, 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 and spearheaded this entire giant project in the service of the theme obstacles. <laughs> also, before we go, I did just want to say, you know, you're talking to Trey before we came over. He just wanted me to make sure that I said that he, he likes it. Oh, I thought you were going to say he hates it. I was no, like, he wanted me to make sure that he, we got that in. Yeah, man. Trey likes this movie too. I kind of want to just keep talking about space stuff. <laughs> I don't want to, what you thinking about? I don't want to stop. Um, yeah, man. Gravity. Awesome. Thank you again, Anthony, for coming out and oh, hanging out my with pleasure. us. It was informative and fun and funny. And thank you for telling us all those state secrets, by the way. That was cool. Oh, absolutely. No, it was great. It was yeah. great to tell you all those things. And uh, to the folks out there, please uh, support your uh, support your local International Space Station. <laughs> this has been What Are You Doing Movie. You can always find more episodes at friendsinyourhead.com. Go to the forum. Involve yourself in the conversation. It's a wonderful community of people. It's growing every single day. Twitter.com slash friendsinerhead. Friends in your head at gmail.com and facebook.com slash friends in your head. Just keep you know, t- type that stuff just in Google anywhere. It. Just put it anywhere you want to put it. <laughs> or that. <laughs> uh, go to the store, buy our shirts, like my fantabulous Tokes and Stokes shirt that I am now wearing, as well as others that have logos and things like that on them. Funny things we've said and other parts of the merchandising world that we're connected to. And go online and uh, look up the word spot the station to actually see the International Space Station and make sure every night that it hasn't been gravity. <laughs> <laughs> Holden Hill Design and Maintain the website. And until next time, my name is T. Christie. Ryan Vinifer. Mike Scott. And special guest, Anthony Varia. <laughs> <laughs> is that your first name? Special, special guest. guest. <laughs> <laughs> this is German. Thank you very much for listening. Good night. Good morning. Good night. Good morning. Good night. Good morning. Good night. Good morning. Every 90 minutes. <laughs> good night. Good night. I get it. It's because orbits. <laughs> well, this was all we kind of had planned for. Yeah, Anthony was in town, so it's not like we're doing a we're doing a second movie. We're, yeah. we're doing Titanic right and now, I, and I'm just gonna spend the rest of the day thinking about if I was in that position on Mission Control. <laughs> oh my God, what a bad day that would be! What would what what is what are the conversations that take yeah, that's, place after that's, we lose communication with the vehicle? That's the alternate. Never mind the guy like, in fucking Antarctica or wherever Anangank is like. The, 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 the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern version yeah. where it's just mind, what's yeah, happening at the same time what's at, happening at Mission Control <laughs> like, yeah, my, I mean my closest experience to that is we were doing software upgrades about a year ago on the station and the command and control computer we uh, we, we uploaded new software to it we swapped the computers to put the new software in place and something went wrong and so we lost communication with the station for about an hour and a half well actually no it was, no, it was two orbits so it was three hours so for three hours, we would periodically, we basically, within the that computer, is where we tell the station, hey, point your antenna to this satellite so we can talk to you. So without that, the antenna is just kind of freewheeling and doing its thing. And so we don't have any communication with the vehicle. And so we, there were times when we just got lucky and it just kind of came into view and we get little blips Yo. of data. And but because the computers were having problems, the computers were basically just spitting out lies. And it was this it was like you couldn't trust the data that was coming down. And finally, we got in contact with the crew. The crew calls down and says, well, we're fine. I mean, everything's pumps are still running. Everything like that. It's fine. You guys uh, basically how are you as if to say we know you guys are probably pretty worried, but a okay up here. (laughs) It's like they're calling their mom. Yeah, because I mean, it was reading a quadruple failure.
has to be a certification. So how do you how did it end up resolving itself? Oh, we uh, basically had the crew once we got over. So our standard way of communicating with the vehicle is by uh, using the the tracking data relay satellite system, which is three satellites in geostationary orbit that we uh, talk to the station through. Cool. And then uh, what we also have as a backup to that is the Russians do it the old-fashioned way. They have ground uh, sites with uh, VHF or UHF or something like that. We fly over there, and uh, they can contact that. And we can, just as the Russians ask us for permission, hey, can we use your satellites? Every once in a while, we can say, hey, be a buddy. Can you? Can we talk on your can we talk on your system? And so we patch in. Can I borrow your phone? There. So we call, basically, yes, the equivalent of, hey, Moscow, can I borrow your phone? And then we... Uh, we called them and uh, through that system and said, hey, run these steps. I mean, they have procedures on board. We do. So their time is important. We want them doing as much science and as little maintenance as possible. Stuff we can do from the ground, we do from the ground. But they are all trained in how to recover from these type of things. They've all run these procedures. And so we can just say we want you to perform, you know, 2.100 in the communications tracking book and steps five through eight. And they do that and poof, all of a sudden, all the data you ever wanted. So, I mean, they, they have, like I said, there's that graphical user interface they have on a laptop and they just pull it up and I want to work on this system and I want to do this to it. And I want to, I mean, it's the same way you start up a pump or turn on the electrical power or turn off a light. Is it at this point for you also, Pat, and the day job that your past moments of like, I can't believe I get to do this shit or have there been moments? No, I'm, I'm, I'm never past those moments. And that's, I think, I think folks do get past, I, I think there is. A tendency for folks to to get into that. I have been fortunate in that, especially, you know, I love, you know, a lot of our job is not working console. A lot of our job is planning in the office, updating procedures, making sure things will go well the next time that we do a thing, you know, a Soyuz docking or something like that. Uh, I like to work as much console as I possibly can. I'm working console next week and I'm very excited about it because, you know, you get to sit in a room and you get to you get to have an effect and you get to watch things and you get to see, if nothing else, you get to see out the, you know, the, the, the version of seeing out the window and the cameras are on pointing outside. Um, there's nothing that, that makes that feel any less cool. Now there's, there's a humdrum aspect of the job. There are days when I don't want to get up uh, as early as sometimes I need to and go into work, but uh, those are, are fleeting. Um, it's a, uh, you never, you shouldn't get used to it. Is, is, and, and I've always maintained that. There is still the part of me that even though I have an astronaut in my family, I see an astronaut, I'm like, that's an astronaut. Like, that guy goes to space sometimes. Holy smokes. Yeah. Willikers. That's crazy. That is so cool. Yeah. No, never gets old. Trendsinyourhead.com.